it's Greg Grunberg, uh, Snap Wexley from Heroes, and Commander Finnegan of Yorktown from a uh, little thing called Star Trek. And you are kneeling before the pod. Kneel Before Blog presents... Kneel Before Pod. Hello and welcome to Neil Before Pod. My name is Chris McCrell and having sliced and diced our former leader, I have seized control of this podcast. Star Wars The Last Jedi is released for the home market soon, so joining me to squeeze the last sweet blue milk from this giant space beast is the Chewbacca to my hand Solo, the R2-D2 to my free PO, the Boba Fett to my Sarlacc pit. Aaron, how are you doing? Good evening. I am good, but I can't live up to that intro. There's just no way. That was an amazing intro. I have to do a <laughs> Chewbacca scream. I have to do the R2-D2 beep. I think you're just going to have to get that in editing and just put all that in for me. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Or, or you know, the noise of Boba Fett falling down a Sarlacc pit. I could scream very loudly here, I suppose, but I'm not sure anybody would benefit from that, <laughs> let alone my neighbours. So I might just have to say, go and put that in as well. Yeah. Well, welcome to what we uh, presume is going to be the last, last Jedi cast. Um, never if say you listen last, back, you never know. Yeah, yeah, never say never. Um, if you listen back in your feed, you will catch Craig and the rest of the gang dissecting this film piece by piece. But we thought we deserved a good stab at it as well. So, as always, we warn you in advance of spoilers and such. Uh, we are going to go into really, really in-depth, spoilery territory. So if you don't want anything spoiled for, let's just say, the entire Star Wars saga, now now is your time to turn off. I've already probably spoiled a few bits for you in my opener, so yeah, sorry for that, but you should have watched them sooner. And uh, we will start, as always, with our, after that warning, spoiler-free thoughts at the, at awesome. the top. Uh, Aaron, are you a massive Star Wars fan yourself? Are you a consumer of the films? So... I'm not going to be able to say I'm a massive Star Wars fan, as in I do all the cosplay and 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 I've bought all the extra materials and read all the backstory, but it is something that I've grown up with since I was a kid. We watched the the, the, the original films faithfully every year. It's one of the ones that my dad would get out when he just wanted some some evening viewing and I would sit with him. So it's, it's definitely been important to me, I'm, and I'm definitely more of a a warsy man than I am a Trekkie man. So it's it, it, it's been a big part of what I've been watching, certainly over the years. Yeah, I'm the same as you. It's uh, It was my dad that just uh, had them on VHS, I think, at the time. Oh, and yeah. it was, oh, you've got to see these films, along with sort of Indiana Jones and Star Trek and all these different bits and pieces that he made me watch. But, yeah, I've always loved Star Wars. Um, and then obviously the sort of prequels came along at the right time when I was able to go to the cinema and watch them. So, uh, yeah, massive The whole thing consumer. is probably a bit tricky, though, I think, with these new ones. I've been wondering that. See how we've, we're now declaring that we're both these big fans, and I think we'll, we'll take big fans. That I'm, I've been wondering with these, then, if the expectations are so high, is there any possible way we can really like anything that's come after the the original three films? That is true. It's 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 sort of your first gateway into it, really, isn't it? So it's it's when people say that their favourite Doctor Who was sort of the Doctor Who when they started watching, or their favourite Star Trek was the one that they got into originally, and then nothing's 
nothing's beaten it since kind of thing. I think, though, that we've got a different setup than the last podcast that Craig did where everybody was completely pro the film. And this time, I think, are you a bit more pro the film and I'm a bit more nay? Is that is that right? Yeah, I think I'm slightly more pro than you. My sort of overall arching thoughts is I was... I I love the fact that we're getting new Star Wars films. I love the fact that we're continuing the trilogy. It didn't go exactly where I expected in some good ways and some bad ways as well. So I'm a bit of a mixed bag, really, but I think I'm more positive overall than you. Right. Maybe that's good for this. But I got the feeling that whoever is going to edit this would need to put in a few <laughs> soundtracks of me struggling with the dark side as I'm trying to hold back. So I'm going to, I have to get my inner Jedi in here to keep calm throughout all of this. Yeah, I wondered why your eyes were doing that sort of funny glowy oh. thing and the, the sort of sparks coming from your fingers. I, I wondered what that was all. Yeah, I've not been practicing that, I promise, at all. <laughs> okay, well, uh, without further ado, we will uh, sound the spoiler klaxon of uh, whatever spoiler klaxon I have dug up out of the ground. And that was it there. Uh, so, uh, we are into our spoiler zone, and what? I have decided to do roughly, I know we're going to probably talk around this, is I have split The Last Jedi into several different sort of story arcs or pairings, character pairings, because a lot of this sees our heroes and heroines split up and spread across the galaxy, all trying to accomplish their all goals. And obviously we know they all nicely unite at the very, very end. So... We'll start with how the film opens, I suppose. We'll go chronologically at first, and we'll start with uh, Poe and Leia. What did you think of the, the opening, Aaron? So, I'll sp- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to further subdivide this. Tell her more of a science student than I was an art student, I guess. But I'll give you the bit that I liked and the bit that I hated. So, we'll start with the good. Always start with the light side. And that's the opening scene itself with the action part of it where he's he's pose making his run at the the death star not the death star oh my god um it didn't to- 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 totally copy you. the dreadnought the dreadnought sorry the dreadnought yeah i'm already lost in i'm already lost in my hatred so going back to the dreadnought he's making the run the dreadnought i liked the action scene of that and i like the individual heroism of of the lost sister who focuses on her jet, uh, force religion to actually make the heroic act at the end. I thought that, for me, was actually a Star Wars moment. And you get to see some of the cool stuff of the fight scene in space that, of course, we want from Star Wars. Strangely, one of the things I didn't like about this film, I also liked in this opening sequence. It managed to persuade me just enough, which is the the joke about Hux on hold. <laughs> generally, generally, that style of humour throughout all of this film really upset me. But there was something about the cheeky delivery of that that I did like. And I, I, even the second time viewing, I, despite feeling the darkness rising within me, I still like that, that joke. Then the other side of it, the flip side, where I do have to give way to, uh, to my fear and hatred and frustration, was was the theme that starts at this point where 
Poe is told, do not go into heroic action because the realism of that is that people died. And I'm thinking, okay, so what you're telling me here is that this film, whose very essence, or the film set, as it originally was, I'll acknowledge that, was space opera, which is everything about... I mean, Luke even swings from uh, a vine almost, you know, in the old classic 1940s film style in, in one of the original films as they're trying to get away from Stormtroopers. It couldn't be more, more space opera. Does it, does this, does this film even define space opera? Is that where that comes from? I don't know, but, but that's where Star Wars is. And then someone comes up and says, here's a healthy dose of realism. This is this is Iraq war where people have died, you know, and you, you you can't take these bold, strong actions. You must you must follow this real way of doing things where we all work as one. And I thought, I don't want that in my Star Wars. That that it really felt unwelcome. And when they continue that through the film, I didn't even think they wrote it well enough. So what they even gave me, I didn't like it, and also I thought it was it was done badly. I uh, completely agree with you. The sort of phone call humour, for want of a better phrase of doing it, with uh, with Hux and going, no, I want to speak to Hux, please. Is he there? Is thing? The sort of delivery and the sort of fun aspect of that, I, I kind of liked. If, if we're going for the realism angle, you're like, that X-Wing would have been blown out of the sky or the blown out of the space does that make sense um pretty quickly um uh, in a a sort of non-space opera style but it works and it's a bit of fun i agree with you to an extent about the change in this film the tonal shift and it doesn't do this to us just once or twice it does it about three or four times through the film where you're expectation or the setup that you're getting leads somewhere completely different from the norm sort of solo acts of heroism that would normally be the ones that save the day in this case never happen you know despite the fact that they managed to take out the dreadnought uh, which would normally be almost the climax of a, a, a Star Wars movie. You know, we've got to get this base evacuated and the dreadnought's coming, and when it gets here, we don't know if we're going to be able to stop it. The fact that they managed to take out this dreadnought is sort of immediately taken away by the fact that there are only 400 of us left, and now we've got no bombing fleet. I mean, what they were going to use their bombing fleet on, I've got no idea, but they've lost their entire bombing fleet out of it. And I think it does well to set up the tone that they're going for. But I do agree with you that it's not the usual Star Wars um, way. It's This film does a lot to sort of change the way that these films work. Now, whether that will continue under other directors, I suppose we can talk about later on. But I think it kind of does the same in a way... Um, let me try and phrase this better, in the same way that uh, DC did with their universe where they try and go, okay, let's now try and make this realistic, this opera, this ridiculous premise, let's try and make this a bit more realistic and playable. And I think in some ways it works, and I think in other ways it doesn't quite pay off. I just wonder where the DC parallel, and that's quite an interesting one, because in that, didn't they make 
sure to change the tone in a different series. So, you know, Flash has got one tone and then Arrow's got another tone. Whereas here I'm thinking that it's the main, the main line, the main program, the, the, the set of nine films that are going to be, to me, are all in one line. And I, I want there to be some sort of connection through them all. Mm. In my mind, I would have separated out things like Solo and, and, ah, oh, good grief. Um, not what's the, what's the other one? Forgotten Rogue One. Sorry, thank you. Those were the separate ones. I thought those were the places for it. I mean, fine if you want to bring it up later, but that's mm. that's my that's my yeah. first thought to what you've you brought in with that parallel. I was, yeah, I was more thinking along the line of the DC film universe rather than the TV universe. But I get oh, what, you're, right, I get okay. what you're saying there. More that the 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 film universe went along the more realistic route as opposed to uh, Marvel's more cartoonish version for want of a better phrase that I um, will try and find later on I agree that I thought that that the Skywalker saga to try and separate it from everything else would follow the same tone especially considering the previous film that we've seen you know episode 7 where it basically lifted that entire feel from the previous films it was Mm. more of a, a new hope than it was what you saw during Rogue One. And I think the fact that they've picked up Ryan Johnson to do his own trilogy is kind of a sign that they do want to try and do something different and maybe this universe or this series isn't quite the right place to do it. It might be well, why I'd, he's uh, not directing episode nine after this. Well, that'd be that'd be an interesting development, I have to admit. Um now I've got. I've, I have to warn you though. I've got infinite thoughts on this one. So if you want to bring that up onto your into your later part of your heading and focus back down on, on yeah, uh, okay. on your pairing, then bring it back to me and I'll I'll deliver you all my hate and rage at that point. <laughs> we'll just uh, release the kraken and do it all at once. Okay. Well, let's nice. bring it back round to Poe and Leia. Like I say, because this is a this is a a appearing where it basically follows exactly what we said everything sort of flips around here the the solo story where you would think that poe dameron the sort of war hero the fighter pilot is going to be the one to take charge to save the day to find a way of destroying the ship behind he just immediately wants to get out in his x-wing and fly away doesn't get the chance to do that however i think some of the humor between the pair of them uh, between Poe and Leia is some of my best. I think uh, the line "Get your head out of your cockpit" made me chuckle <laughs> for a good five minutes, just because I've got a childish sense of humour. I, I just think his cockiness is his downfall in this particular film, where normally the Han Solo character essentially is the one that goes off and manages to save the day, manages to to find that one way, that one button to hit that solves the entire problem in this in this film you just don't get it no that's it and it's it's not it's it's not that it's just not celebrated it's it's the complete opposite of that it's it's actually said to be the worst thing of what the heroes and main characters are doing and 
it was too big a change for a thing for me to accept it and have it sit well uh, do you know when you've repeated that that line that joke back to me i have to admit it's a good line and as i remember it in my head carrie fisher delivers it in such a way that it was it, it was a good joke you know i but i had to reflect back on that i was so bothered by how poor that whole arc theme was was written that I couldn't even enjoy those jokes. It's only when you said that that I even remembered that joke was in there. But there's parts of it that I just can't get past. The Some of the other stuff we're going to talk about with the other pairings, even if I didn't like it, and I want to make, I definitely want to draw a big line here because I know I've struggled with this on other podcasts. There's a bit, there's obviously a big difference between I don't like something and can I say that I think it's actually bad such that the majority of people would have some trouble with it. And I think some of the other characters' stuff I didn't like, but too bad. The film's not for me, then I have to walk away. But I honestly believe that this this setup with around Leia and Poe was just done so poorly, such bad writing, that it, it, it did ruin all of that for me. And it, it might be what finally tipped me into embracing my inner dark lightning. If if you're used to being a certain way and they sort of switch it round, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And I agree with you that it's not quite Star Wars the way this one plays out. I mean, Poe in the previous film didn't have that much to do, to be honest. He was meant to be the delivery boy. He didn't get there. He, he sort of helps uh, Finn get free. And then that's it, really, until uh, the end of the film. And even then, he's, he's, he's just an X-Wing pilot at that point. Do you think that they developed him into the leader that they want him to be, or they seem to be earmarking him for down here? Is this supposed to be his leadership lesson? I, I think you're exactly right that that's what it was supposed to be. He is going to be the front... No, it's not front line is the wrong word. He's going to be the most important general that they're going to have in in the last film, the ninth film, I won't call it the last film, this is going to be, his character development was supposed to be that he has learned how to be a general where previously he had been a frontline warrior. And I can definitely see the value in that. And it, it does make him a very important character, but I don't honestly believe that his development was real. The lesson that he learned, I think, was a false one based on a bad philosophy, or at least a, it was at least a poorly delivered version of a philosophy. And I, I honestly don't think he could have learned a lesson the way it was delivered. And I'll, I'll try and throw some stuff out there to as evidence of that, rather than just mm-hmm. keep spraffing, because otherwise it, I'm just going to convince everybody that I just didn't like it. And I think the... F- the first thing I want to bring up with is I honestly think he was right to rebel. And I, I'm not going to be alone in this, nor am I going to be the first one to say it, in that Holdo was a, had a terrible plan. But I also think she was written terribly, and I also think she was a waste of time in this film. So I put some stuff into that. I think they brought in whole admiral. Is admiral or was she general? I kind of remember. I think she was uh, vice vice admiral. I think vice admiral Holder. She even had an overly officious title <laughs> name. I mean, 
I mean, I, th- I honestly believe that she was chucked in there to give us a strong character. And I, I don't want to demean it by saying she was supposed to be a strong female character. But I think, because I, I, I don't want to accuse them of that, of just crowbarring somebody in. I, I think she was supposed to be a, a strong force to give Poe something to fight against. But she's not. She's a terrible, terrible leader. The only thing that she needs to focus on in a situation of lost hope is morale. The morale of her people is everything. They have got literally nothing else in that circumstance. They've got no resources, no time, nothing. The only thing they've got to get them through is morale, and she fails to do anything. She doesn't tell them the plan. She doesn't give them a good rousing speech. She doesn't lead any of the characters... And she's supposed to be this great leader that we are told at the start was the hero of Epsilon 7 or wherever it was, you know. And, and everybody's like, oh my God, that's totally her. That's her. Well, we, we should bow down in her presence. And yet when we actually see her, that's just words. She fails at all points of leadership. And at the end, she has this smug moment with Leia where, like, weren't we so right to be who we are? And the lesson that we've given this person will really rise him up. He's one of my favorites. It was almost like, do you know who reminds me of? Me as a younger version of myself. It was just like, (laughs) oh, it's every 60s plot. Sorry, you're going to have to beep that. But um, that, that I don't want to see again. And I'm thinking, why did they even introduce the character they already had Leia. Leia's there to be that strong force, that experience. Why did they need this extra character that served no purpose? Even at the end, I'm going to turn the cruiser to face the enemy and go out in the noble sacrifice. Why? If you don't have computers, use a droid. You know, this, this universe likes its droids to the extent that it makes them cute. But at the end of the day, everybody does treat them as what they are, a non-sentient uh, com- you know, walking computer. They're, they're, they make no bones about that. When droids explode, you don't see it as be- them being killed. They just get reassembled. It, it, they, they don't have a soul in this universe. So every, everything about Holdo is an utter waste of time. And even some of the silly philosophies that she gives out, there's one point where she's starting talking about you know what Leia says about hope? You, hope is only good for certain people if they can see it. But when it goes and you can't see it, people lose hold of it. And I'm, I suppose I'm purposely trying to make it sound bad by using silly words and not even giving mm. it. But if you if you played that back, it's it's not a valuable message. It's a terrible philosophy. It It doesn't seem to have any relevance. And if what she said was true about hope being ephemeral and you can't touch it then she needs to be bringing it to the fore so again her own philosophy seems contrary to what she's trying to do and holder is unfortunately the foundation of this poe and leah arc because that's what poe's fighting against again rather than leah which i think is an absolute shame and if, if so if that foundation is cracked and doesn't have any value then everything they build upon it i couldn't get into it i couldn't believe it it didn't seem real and i fully support the rebellion as i say i would absolutely have been there with a gun holding it against holdo all she had to say was we're going to this planet that's literally it there's a planet out there and we're heading towards it and all of a sudden all of this false plotting, 
creating a mystery, making it seem like she's a bad guy when really she's not, which is terrible plotting. It's creating a mystery that didn't need to be there. There's no reason for it in the plot. It, it, it's, it's entirely false. And I, 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 can't, I can't like anything, even Leia's joke that I'm, on reflection back now that you brought up. I couldn't even like that. I was in such a foul mood at how terrible this was. And I'm going to have to end there before I even enrage myself <laughs> and explode at my chair. So, so now you take over. You tell no, me how good not. it was. Um, well, see, I I liked some of what they did with Admiral Holdo. I mean, I agree with you the fact that as a boss taken over after all the leadership has just been wiped out, you would expect someone to walk out and do the rousing speech of it's not all over, we're all in this together, we're all going to get out there but instead it's 400 people, free ships I don't think we're going to make it unless we work at this <laughs> and you're like, oh that's not the rousing speech I was expecting no. um, that, that's, that's not really giving me much hope, that's telling me that there's only 400 people left. I, I agree that if at first she had walked out there and went, listen I've come up with an idea, we're going to be going near this planet We've aimed ourselves, so we're going to go near this planet. We used to have a base. We're going to transport over there. That's the plan. Keep it in this room, in this control centre. Don't tell many people outside because we don't want anything to leak in case we've got spies on board. But this is the plan. Then I think it would have gone all right because at that point you wouldn't have had Finn and Rose going off to the casino world and inadvertently dropping the plan on the First Order's lap. I mean, that's how they find out it that is. the ship, the transports are going over there. So if, if she had been open about her plan in the first place, you would say the plan would have actually worked and more people potentially would have been saved than were. Um, this is, well, this is the problem then. The, the entire film is created... The, the plot for that entire part of the film then is created by a character that didn't need to be there whose actions created false mystery. And if she'd have said even two of the things that you'd said there, in, in, and it would have taken her less than two minutes, if she said either of those, everything would have been fine. She is actually a First Order agent. You know, she. It, the only thing that happens to her that redeems her then is that she, at the end, decides to sacrifice herself. But to me, she's a turncoat. Until that very end, she's the one that creates all the bad things that happen. To take your other point of, it could it just have been Leia there? The thing is that they set Poe up as such a hero in the first uh, in the first of the new films, I should call it, in the last film, that it's almost impossible to try and set him against Leia. And you see that when he finds it's Leia that's broken the door down to the bridge... At that point, he surrenders and puts his, his hand away. If it had been Holdo there, he'd have he'd have continued on. He'd he'd have been firing shots across the the bridge at that point. But the fact that it was Leia that walked in, he 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 wouldn't do anything to counteract what Leia had said. And if it had been Leia on the bridge saying, "We're four hundred ships, we've got you know three four hundred people, three ships." and this is the plan, and this is what we're doing? Or would Leia have kept it secret and dismissed everyone at that point? I don't think so. So I, I, agree, I agree with you, but I think the whole reason that they've done it is because they couldn't put their hero, as much as they, they don't show their hero in the greatest light in this film, that I don't think they could have got away with putting him against Leia because they would have destroyed part of the character that they had built. 
I think you're absolutely right there. I have to acknowledge that in the plot that they built, Leia needed to take that slot. So I will, I'll, I'll give that as as an as an undeliable truth. Unfortunately, I think it still leaves us though with the fact that Leia only had to fulfil that because they felt the need to create this plot, and then they needed somebody else to take that role. I honestly believe the whole film would have been better without any of this plot at all. So Leia does do the right thing in the plot and acts true to character, but she should never have had to have been in that situation at all. I wonder as well, though, if they couldn't have used... Do you know, I guess they couldn't have used Admiral Akbar. It really bothered me that they killed Ad- Akbar because it seemed pointless. You've got a character that is already established as as being in the role of leader, you already know he's a hero of a previous battle because I was there, I watched that film. So you don't have to try and establish a new hero. Why didn't they use him? Is is it something because they didn't think they could get speeches out of his voice that were long enough? But even then, it's not like Holder has a big speech. Even her opening speech is pretty short. So I, I, don't, I, don't, I just yeah. don't understand why... Why they try, did he, I don't know if the director wrote it or whether he, what influence he had. So I'm, I'm going to have to say him as the leader of this group of writers. To, he was, he was, yeah, he was one of the credited writers of it, definitely. So I don't, I don't, I just don't understand why he chose to do some of these things. I, I think it, for the same, I think for the same le- reason as he wouldn't put Poe against Leia, I don't think he would have had uh, Poe rebelling against Akbar. I don't think the CGI or getting the voice is an issue. I mean, we've seen them recreate people in CGI yeah. in uh, in Rogue One, so I think I think having extended Akbar scenes wouldn't have been much of an issue. I mean, my my issue is one of these technical points where I go, why the hell would the shielding around the bridge be so pants? In fact, why do you need them in a big glass room that's yes. easily targetable? I mean, the 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 only bit of that 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 irked me more was the creation of a new force power <laughs> that that I I've, I've got to pick on and go, whoa, 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 the force can do what now? Yes. which is a theme through this film, which in my head has me going, well, I like that they've kind of written round this, but at the same time, I, I'm i going, well, are are they now invincible? Are They can now not quite breathe in space, but can somehow shield themselves? And, you know, where, 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 where do they even practice this stuff? Because there's no one teaching the Jedi Order anymore. No, is, there there a, is there still a set of manuals out there? As far as I believe, the, the Jedi manuals are currently sitting in a tree. So yeah. where, where, where did Leia learn the quite neat I can fly in space trick? Not only that, but the other people seem to be expecting it. They're standing at the window going, let's see if she flies back in. Oh, here she comes in, like Mary Poppins drifting back towards the ship. It's it's like, well, we've done this a few times now. We've rehearsed this. She knows what to do. Get to the door. (laughs) And that that part of it kind of made me go, uh, not only that, going into the film, knowing what what sadly happened to Carrie Fisher after filming this, at that point, in, in your head, you're going, Oh, so that's how that character goes. Well, that's a bit of a brutal way to do it. Until you suddenly yeah. go, whoa, 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 hang on. <laughs> this isn't it. Okay, fine. Uh, you know, even all the way up to the closing credits, I'm like, well, they've still not done it. But, yes. you know, so I, and do you know what? I'm, I'm happy in one way and sad in another that it's not going to get a Carrie Fisher 
send off. It's going to be sadly something off screen, I would presume, unless there is some heavy contract written because I don't know if they could go Rogue One on this and get away with it. But there's a sort of force power creep in this film that makes me wonder how the Jedi ever got defeated in the first place uh, yes. or how the Sith even got defeated in the first place because if one was like, no, that's far too powerful, we won't use that the Jedi, no, 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 no we couldn't possibly use this kind of thing let's pay for Perhaps the whole communication suite it's fine <laughs> meanwhile, well, the, the, the Sith you, would use it well, you, you bring up the Sith, obviously because we've got Snoke now who, who, by the way, is not hailed as somebody who is so strong with the force i've never seen it before which is what ray was but ray isn't capable of joining minds over the the breadth of space but snoke is so snoke's one of the most powerful sith you have ever heard of because he's even more powerful than this new this new regime of ray and ren and he so how could he ever be defeated because he's got literally infinite power do you know what? I thought you were going to bring me down off my ledge, actually, when you were talking about Carrie Fisher's uh, untimely passing. And I thought, oh, I'm starting to relax now. I'm starting to feel a bit sad for that and so on. But then you bring us back round to this and I can feel my rage <laughs> burning. I'm even. so sorry. I was, tr- I was trying to edge it in, in gently. No, and oh. it's not that I spent this film thinking that they were going to kill Princess Leia off. In your head, you, you can't help but go into the film thinking, oh, they're going to yeah. have to try and come up with some way of, of doing this. And But it kind of sums up the theme of this film, which is turning your expectations on its head. And and that theme runs throughout. Now, whether you, you like that theme or you don't, the, the exact reason that you've, you've got, you know, Admiral Holdo being set up as this person to rebel against is so that the payoff later on is oh actually you never should have rebelled against your new leader because she had a plan all along and don't you now feel like an idiot however like you've said it's kind of what I can take away from a bit of it and you at the same time is if she had just said then things might have gone smoother it might not have ended the way it did because parts of your plan wouldn't have leaked out into the open well you know this this is something that makes me think that i can answer easily the question that you raised and uh, just a few minutes ago which was how is all this occurring and this is why my rage is so strong because i honestly believe that the answer to a lot of the why questions in this are the thing that i've always hated which is because the plot demands it darling you know Mm -hmm. it's it's that thing that you see in writing you see it in in tv i've heard people who have gone to writing classes have have told me about this I've, i've i've heard it in in uh in interviews with directors it's this excuse why did this need to happen? Why did this character act out of the ordinary? Why did this extra thing occur that has never been introduced before? Why, why, why? It's always because I needed it to happen to make the plot that I wanted work. And you're thinking, well, I'm thinking, that's terrible writing. What you're saying to me is you have to break my expectations, do something completely new and unexpected, ignore all the background and everything you've set up, completely break your connections to the rest of what you've done to make your plot work. And your plot is rubbish. And you're still just making it bend to what you've got in your hand. 
you know, if I went into my everyday job and said, uh, right, I need to train you guys on, on this piece of software, but I don't want to acknowledge the way human memory works. I want you to just learn in the order I want to speak in. Is that okay? We'll just do it because my, you know, my feelings demand it. You know, my, 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 my day needs this. Screw how you memorize things. I think that would not be accepted. So why do we get this excuse? Because the plot needs it. We have to have Holdo because we want to do a challenge to Poe. We have to have, we have to kill off Akbar. We have to do this with Leia. We have to give her a new force power because I want her to go into space and it would be cool. Well, think of a better reason why she ends up in space. Have the shields weaken earlier so that you don't have to have weak shields on the bridge. Find another character that Poe has already had an argument with and get him to have a falling out with that person. If the plot isn't good enough, that you need to create a false mystery as, as to why he should rebel against, then it's a terrible mystery. And th- this is my problem with the ho- that whole setup then. I know I'm not talking too much about Leia, but the writer sidelined Leia. That, that's just terrible because they wanted to do it to some other plot. I'm afraid the whole thing for this, for me, speaks of, of a certain arrogance on behalf of that writer of, of the guy in charge, his name, I don't even think I want to mention now because I'm just getting more and more angry. <laughs> but it, he, he said, I want to do this. I'm not going to give Snoke a background because I think Snoke is rubbish. I'm not going to do this with Ray's parents, even though I did actually like what he did with Ray's parents. I'll carry on. Um, I'm not going to do this with Ray's parents because I didn't like it. I'm not going to use the Knights of Ren because I don't like them. It's like, how, how can you be so arrogant to build something and make it yours alone without seeming to pay any reference to what other people have wanted, what other people have done before you. So somebody wrote a film before you that you didn't like. You know, let's say this guy didn't like Star Wars 7. Tough. It's your job to take that on board and do something with it anyway, which, and, and I need to, I need to bring this out because I'm fully in support of this, Mark Hamill who's on record as saying that he didn't like originally what what the director gave him, but I think he did then later say that he bought into it and he did find good things out of it. To me, that marks out Mark Hamill's spirit and soul as an actor as being great because he found a way to love what he was given in the end and he found a way to make something of it. He's the star of that particular set up there, and then the director is something that I'm starting to want to burn with false lightning, if I could have some. <laughs> some crackling right. sound effects in the background, yeah. Yes, please, I'll, can you put that in? Can you, can you I put will, it in somewhere? I will try, I will try in post. Uh, I don't know if it'll happen or not. If you've heard very fancy forced lightning uh, and uh, sound effects in the background for that entire speech, um, then you know that Good. I've managed to do my work in I've the background. I've got a request, actually. If you could get in somewhere... Some somewhere I start to go off on one. If you could just get in beforehand, a little sound clip of the emperor going, "Yes, let the hate flow through you." <laughs> that would just be amazing. That would totally make my day. I will see what I can get rights to. Let's, let's, let's try that. Yeah, <laughs> well, there is that. Yeah, fair if, if Lucasfilm are listening, thanks for letting us use your clips. Nice. Um, we we do like your films. See, my thing is, as much as I agree, and I have the same feelings as you. In some respect, I'm I'm able to get past it and enjoy the film as a whole. It didn't it didn't take me out of the film. 
in in some ways at first I was like, oh well, that's kind of a change. And the thing is, you're not you're not seeing this particular storyline in isolation. Maybe I shouldn't have broken all the hate into one section for you. But <laughs> if it I, gets the I, hate I, out, maybe I'll be yeah, better yeah, for the rest maybe of this I'll podcast. Be for the rest, yeah, but. It, it, it for me, I, it didn't completely take me out of the film. I guess a lot of it is, like you say, plot reasons, and also because it's what we need to do to set up what we want to do next. And we have all these characters, and we've been told these characters need something to do. We can't kill them off screen. So if you don't like them, then let's kill them now. If you do want to continue to use them, then we need them doing something. Because if we have them all in a coma through the whole film, <laughs> everyone's going to cry that we've not served these characters, right? And I and suppose yet, you... <laughs> and and yet, yet, just, well, just to, throw it, just to throw in on that, and yet, characters that were wasted, is it Phasma? Was mm-hmm. that was that the name of the Stormtrooper yep. Commander Captain? Yes. I need a proper name. Captain Phasma, that was it. Decided to just completely waste her and have nothing useful going on with that so he, i don't think he was particularly good with all of the characters and, and no that i mean prime, prime example I've, i think i think there's elements that he that in the writing you could have had finn still in his coma through the entire thing on the ship you know you could have had you could have just ignored the fact that phasma survived and had it appear in the next again film i mean star wars has done that before the character yeah. appears as, as a surprise in the third of the trilogy because you thought they died in the first Absolutely. You know, it's 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 established, and it's something that that could happen. You have a character that's frozen for a, for a good portion of a, a film, so it 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 can all uh, happen through there. But it it didn't take me out of the film. It it did change my expectations. It did kill off some characters that I would love to have back. I would really like to have Admiral Akbar still sitting there. I still think they completely missed the opportunity to throw in his classic line when they find out that they're being uh, they're being tracked through hyperspeed. You know, that surely that's an opportunity to throw in the Akbar line. Maybe it was too obvious, and that's the reason they didn't do it. Um, but part of me's like, oh come on, you could you could have had that Akbar ch- chip in and say something at this point. You know. Well, they've copied um, enough words from the other films. I mean, they didn't copy loads of words. That's a bit unfair of me. But mm. they didn't bulk from copying some of the words. Like, I feel the conflict within you. There's there's a few words like that where they just reuse them. And I think they're probably trying to draw a connection to the other films. And, but I, I don't know. It didn't. I, did, I didn't really get anything out of that. Mm. To me, it it felt like that suffered from from the same thing as as the is it the Force Awakens and that, that was just a copy of of a new hope so it so was I, very blatant in its copy but i think it was to get that nostalgia factor and to get it back in and is maybe yeah. the reason they did it that way i mean you you touched on uh, mark hamill and his thoughts when he first got the script earlier on so i suppose it's natural for us to move on towards uh, luke and ray I'd, I'd quite like to move on to to yeah. luke and ray actually because i think that's where i can move from I think this was bad to I just didn't like it. And I know that doesn't sound very positive, <laughs> but, to, but to me, I think this is where I need to grow up and say, even though I didn't like it, doesn't make it bad. You know, that, so I'm, I'm, it, it's, a, it's a step in the right direction for me. So, let, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so when we last see Luke Skywalker and you, you see him on that rock, on that island, the lightsaber's being handed over... <laughs> I part of me hooted at the fact that the next move was to take the lightsaber out of hand and fling it over the edge of the cliff and walk off. 
<laughs> Part of me thought, what? Oh, oh, so that's what the next scene would have been in JJ's world? Would it have <laughs> been that? I, I don't think it would have been, yeah. but, but, you know, okay, maybe, maybe this is, this is, this is what's happened to Luke Skywalker now. And I, I like that part of this Luke Skywalker is kind of Mark Hamill's personality almost, <clears throat> or how he comes over in interviews is very, like a dark sense of humor, a very fun sense of humor, but, at the same time, you think this, that Luke Skywalker's the hero. He's the guy that's been running about. He's a man of action and hope and thing. And here he is as the hermit on the, on the cliff. And I, I can see why Mark Hamill would have maybe looked at that and went, "Really? That's that's what that's what happened to that guy? That, that's 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 where he ended up. That's what he did." As as much as I had lots and lots of fun with what they did to his character and the scenes on the island, his his a little run through a day in the life of Luke Skywalker on the island. Mm-hmm. In particular, finding out where that blue milk came from was yes. a bit of a shocker. Um, but <laughs> um, but a funny look nonetheless. I was going to say that this... this Sir, I've got, I got so many thoughts. Um, I've got to put them in order. Control, calm. What's a good <laughs> Jedi phrase to put me back into the right place? Yeah. Uh, I need to be quite gone. Focus on down. the ground and focus, the water. That's, no, and that's the, the Jedi. That, focus, that's the yeah. that's the that's one of the Jedi. Focus your mind. Words. Open your senses. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> lightsaber going backwards. Hated it. Luke going into the day in the life where he gets the milk and the strange sea cows. S- sort of liked that actually, and. If I'm going to explain both of those, I want to I want to separate a couple of things out. The stuff that I hated about what they did with Luke, and 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 so this is me hating it. I can't say it's bad, but this is me hating it. Was it felt like they were trying to write in modern geek humour into Star Wars, and this is the thing that stops me enjoying Legends of Tomorrow. It's the thing that stops me enjoying Agents of Shield. And it was the thing that stopped me enjoying Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I, I can't say any of those shows were bad, but, but I don't like the sort of silliness of it where it's, there's no reverence. There's, there's no, cl- there's no necessary cleverness to, to the jokes. It is just, let's, let's not take ourselves too seriously, taken to this ultimate extreme that to me, when they put it in, for example, Hux versus Ren, and they're having their little bitch fights, it actually detracts from it, because there's no reason that I can think of that Hux could possibly be in charge of the First Order's armies. There's no reason I can think of why a comedy duo that they are could ever deserve any respect <laughs> in that sense. <laughs> now, anybody that's close to... Ren, of course, respects him because if they don't, they will be part of one of his rages and he'll tear them limb from limb. Totally get that. But in terms of being at a distance and looking at your leaders from afar, all the First Order should go, we're in a total joke, aren't we? Yeah, let's just walk away. Because nothing bad's going to happen. They'll never be able to find us. They're not capable. So it's, when you take that humour to its ultimate extreme, I honestly think it distracts from the power of your your storytelling. Like, I will not necessarily remember Last Jedi's storytelling because I didn't find it powerful 
They didn't find it meaningful. And I know that Star Wars is not complicated, but at the end of Return of the Jedi, you felt like you had won with the heroes. You felt like evil had been defeated and that we had succeeded. At the end of Empire, you thought, dear God, they're in trouble. I really need to know what happens now when they're flying away from from Bespin and, you know, we've lost this per we've lost Han. Luke's lost his arm. He's devastated by this emotional trauma. It, it's actually quite horrible what's going on in, in Empire. What goes on in, in Last Jedi is just a bit stupid. It was a good laugh while we were in the cinema. It didn't mean anything, you know. And I think it's a shame when that humour it takes over that much and 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 so what they did with Luke therefore was was never going to sit well with me but but I'm I'm from some old I'm totally old I I can't deny that I'm definitely old I'm one of the old guard absolutely and I'm not part of this the the the, the new TV series I mean people love the the new TV series I can't watch so I can't tell you it's bad I just have to recognize that I'm old and it's past but then, let's move to the light side. Stuff what I did mm-hmm. like. Okay, so Luke going to milk in the sea cows. I totally saw Yoda in the Dagobah swamp. And I thought, yes. oh, all right, that's how this is going to go. He's, he's the lost master. And Ray is going to be the one he co- that comes to you for training. And I thought, you've, you've, you've copied Empire a bit here. And I thought you were not going to copy Empire because... Because the last film copied A New Hope. So I thought we were getting away from that. But let's see what you do with it. Because I've been promised something new by, by as you say, Layer and Pose plot. So it clearly can't be the same. And it wasn't. But even then, I, I, I kind of like the style of it. But I'm not sure they really took it any further than that. It was it was kind of fun to see Luke as Yoda doing his best Yoda impression. But... But it, did it really go any further than that? No, it was it was it was kind of um, Luke Skywalker becomes a grumpy old man. Yes, uh, from a point. I mean, uh, taking you back to the fact that you hated the lightsaber going over the edge. I mean, I suppose it's almost uh, a visual for what Ryan Johnson did to the previous film, mm. because yes, so much it of it was so much of it was we need that lightsaber. It's part of you know, it's part of Luke Skywalker's legacy. Where did you get that? And the hunt for Luke and everything, and then the the, the whole thing is just tossed over the edge of the sea in the in the next scene. You know, if you're to run the two scenes together and it the is. two films together, it's like, this has been so important. It's been building all the way up to this. He's right there. Okay. But you know, see ya. But, and he's so, but that's what makes him, that's what makes the whole thing seem so arrogant to me. I mean, let the hate flow through me, but he's, if he's literally going to do that, take your last film and throw it over your shoulder because I didn't uh-huh. like it. Like, okay. You don't like the party. Get out. It's, you it's, stompy little brat, just leave. I, I hated him in that moment for that, but exactly for the reason you've described. But uh, see, I never thought of the comparison of Yoda until you said it, and I, I and I like that—the fact that almost it's it's a wink to camera going, "Well, my Jedi Master was like this, so now I'm gonna I am gonna inflict the full yes. uh, the full nuttiness that I can provide to this person," you know. If you it know, had been Yoda, that, when you were introduced, it. was just yeah. picking through things. I mean, the the other bit that I I didn't quite like was his response to to Chewbacca. There was oh, right. a, a bit, you know, he, he does a hello to Chewbacca. He asks where Han is. 
he you know he obviously gets impression and uh, okay we're not going to see every scene of everything that happened on this island however at that point you're like well surely he should be consoling his old friend over the loss of his lifetime buddy his you know his pal that he spent all his time with no he's he's still hermiting he's still in the background and and that's the sort of point where i would have expected luke skywalker to jump to action and go well if han's been taken out by his own son then this is serious and i need to do something and i need to you know i caused part of this so i've got to step up to the plate and do my but he doesn't i mean i like the way that he gets convinced which is going on the falcon having a look around reminiscing yeah. And then the uh, an inverted commas cheap shot or the cheap move, yes. sorry, of R two D two playing Leia's original message, which I just thought was neatly done. I mean, just for Absolutely. me, it hit it hit all the reminiscing buttons, and it, it was what that character needed to see to inspire them at that time, and was a proper signposting to oh, that's why they've changed their opinion because suddenly yes. they've remembered oh. There is a there is a galaxy out there that needs saving, despite the fact I've closed myself off to it. There's a lot going on out there that I don't know. I want, I want to jump in there and say that, so I didn't totally hate this film because there were parts of it that I did like. And what you've just said is, is one of them. Seeing the old layer being played from R2-D2 was, was, was much better reconnection to the old familiar storyline that we loved than seeing them replay Force Awakens as the New Hope. Seeing the old film again, I didn't want to see. But seeing some part of the old film come back for a great purpose, that, that, is, that was actually magical and, and, and is one of the highlights of the whole film. I do think it's, uh, that, that is when Star Wars can properly... If, when, it, when it does its thing right and it properly harks back, you go, oh, it just reminds me of the originals and it makes you feel warm inside again. And I know that it's probably only quelled your rage for a few seconds, but that, to me, was like, oh, that's what that's about. And it was something that was kind of missing partly from the other one because you didn't have R2-D2 running about. And even in this, let's be honest, R2-D2 isn't given much to do because he's been replaced with a a newer, uh, rounder, a sleeker model um, with with more gizmos and gadgets than you've ever had before. Um, what what I'd bring up there about that, unfortunately, just to ruin it, because obviously I can't stay <laughs> for long on this, but what troubles me when I look back on the whole Luke plotline, though, is what was the point? Ray learns nothing. She has no character development in the whole film. She has force power development she somehow seems to at every stage we see her be a better jedi she's better with the lightsaber when we see her fighting the rock it's it's quite a samurai thing where she's she's swinging the lightsaber at the rock and, and not touching it and it's 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 a it's a nice little martial arts piece that they do with that but she doesn't learn it she she learns how to use the force and control it well enough to pick up a whole mass of rocks at the end to free the fleeing rebels. But she doesn't learn how to do that. The only connection that's got to the rest of what she's been through is somebody made a joke about lifting rocks. And from that joke, I'm supposed to think that she could magically learn how to use the force better. So she goes from 
uh, a novice a force wielder to pretty much an, uh, a Jedi Knight in training with absolutely no help. So Luke has, has no effect on her, and Rey doesn't really learn anything throughout the plot. She, she even goes into the throne room at the end, calm and in control, and you're thinking, hang on a minute, where did you learn that from? When you were back on Jakku, you were still really struggling. When you fought Ren for the first time, it was this really desperate fight scene. And I didn't even mind her being good with a lightsaber at that time because her actions are so desperate. She's not necessarily an amazing samurai sword wielder, katana wielder. She is just fighting desperately. But now she's suddenly become Luke going into Jabba's palace, Luke going and facing the, the emperor on the Death Star with with this total control and thinking well that's not character development that's just you giving her more powers like some D&D character getting experience and it, it poorly thought through and and Luke himself he doesn't really he sees he sees the 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 Millennium Falcon but afterwards still says I'm not doing anything he 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 sees this message and calls it a cheap trick when R2D plays it to him but he didn't really learn anything it doesn't change his actions he might give out he might start connecting to the force again but it doesn't really seem to have any twist there's no realization even when he's chatting to yoda it's just two mates having a laugh over a campfire it's not really a thing you know and and then you've got this cheap trick at the end i am definitely not going to help you and of course they turn up in the final scene to save the day and you're thinking that's that's the worst of all plotting because we know that's a trope where they, they, they persuade you there is no way on this planet, this universe, I will ever come to help you. I'm totally against this. Hello, I've come to help. <laughs> I can totally save the day. I've got all these powers. I'm over what I've said. I, I just I just woke up. I realized I was having these nightmares. I feel much better now. So let me just solve all your problems. Brilliant. There, it's done. I think they managed to write an entire film where two characters have absolutely zero... Well, add in Finn. He doesn't get any plot development either. At least three characters have no character development whatsoever and I, so he, even though i kind of like some of the quirkiness of what they do with luke it i can't see it i don't honestly know what what the point of luke and ray's uh stories were what what happened well the, the thing is that you had already been left with the two of them together so they had to be together in this film if you know what i mean it's, it's something that they couldn't unwrite if the last if the last film had finished with her disappearing off in the Falcon to find him, you could easily write she didn't find him in, yes. the, in the next bit. However, the fact that the final thing you see of Ray is her standing next to Luke Skywalker, you you've got to you've got to pick off from there. Now, whether and I don't think it is what Ryan Johnson would have done if he had no. been in control of uh, Episode Seven, but but he it's, wasn't. It's it's what it's yeah he wasn't and. And he basically throws away what you think was going to happen there right at the beginning. I think maybe there would have been an element of the Yoda-ish training montage. But I, I kind of agree with you a little bit about the about Ray's development. I think she more she discovers more about herself than and by herself than she does from Luke. Yeah. I I I can get over the fact that she's pretty good with a lightsaber and she's developing force powers because of what they did in the previous film, where where she went from, oh, I don't even know what the force is, to 
I can mind control a stormtrooper and I can grab the, I can call the lightsaber to me from a distance and I can, you know, she was already pretty nifty in a fight that you saw on the planet. So you can go, okay, she's got a little bit of hand-to-hand combat and bits. But I, that was one of my bugbearers in the first film. The fact it carried over to this film wasn't really a surprise for me, and I just let it wash over and go, "Okay, fine. She's she's got force powers, and she's, you know, by that by this point, I think we're almost at the point where we've seen uh, Leia force fly her way through space yes. uh, in a vacuum. So at this point, you're like, "Okay, fine. I can I can let her off with a little twirl with a lightsaber that she might not have been able to do before because, you know." I've got to be honest, if I was put in charge of a laser sword, I wouldn't have any limbs anymore. It would just be a disaster. So I, I, I can, I can kind of let them away with that. The bit I can't let them away with so much is the fact that the character, like you say, just doesn't get that much development apart from the fact that you've got to get back for the final fight. You've got to get back there. Now we're going to talk about Kylo, Snoke and Rey, I suppose, as a, is like a group later on, but okay. I think that she gets more development from her chats with Kylo Ren, yes, than she gets from her chats with Luke. Yeah, I mean, the most that Luke does is okay. What is the Force? Let me take you through Force One Hundred One, which is you sit up here, you concentrate really hard, and you will see the fact that the balance in between the good, the bad, the light, the dark is the Force. Is that what it is? Yep, excellent. Okay, off you go. Um, you're you're now a Jedi. Um, you know you've passed Jedi One Hundred One. Um, you may now leave, and that to me is like well. It's it's a slightly worse version of what Yoda did to Luke. I mean. <laughs> Because oh, Yoda's the cheap version of yeah, because 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 Yoda was at the point where well you're not ready to leave, whereas Luke is like you're not ready to leave, but you're going now. Go leave. You can go. <laughs> you can show. You know. Whereas Yoda was going, no, don't, don't be stupid, don't leave now. You better come back, <laughs> come back here right this minute. Cut and, price discount Yoda is the best he manages in the whole film. Yeah, which is uh, which is a shame, but there's elements of it. There's elements of fun in it that I like, and I can. See, the thing, my my whole thing with this is I can forgive a lot of it because it's Star Wars. And I think you're from the opposite point of view is I can forgive it nothing because I love Star Wars and they're disappointing me. Well, that's why I opened with that thing at the start, because it's been plaguing me from watching this film. And I kind of wanted to bring that out as one of the first things we said of, do I dislike this because I can't like it? Because I'm so connected to the old films. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to say, uh, it, it must be true to some degree. It, it, that must be going on in my head. And it's why I'm glad we started with Leia and Poe, because I think that's one thing that breaks that. I honestly thought that was bad, and it's not me disliking it. Whereas the stuff with Luke, especially what you said with Ray, she does teach herself what you've said and what we're going to go on to. And I, I could believe that that's a thing. Maybe someone who's so strong in the force, who's also just a really intelligent person who can learn from experience, can actually teach themselves. And that part of Ray, I, re- I really like that. She was very capable. She's, even in her uncertain moments, she can still look through embrace her ideology and make decisions. And that's a quality of a human being that is 
ridiculously difficult to master. I certainly haven't mastered that. And seeing somebody who wasn't perfect at it, but was able to do it and get the way through life and live despite the trouble was, was a really welcome thing to see. And I, I think where I'd want to give them praise, and I must give them praise somewhere because I need to embrace the light side at <laughs> least a little bit, is that I think they did a really good job with Ray. She is in a bugger of a universe that there's no way the poor girl will be able to understand or deal with, and I pity her for that. But what she does with the card she is dealt is is brilliant, just astounding. No, I definitely think so. I, I think she's given a lot, and I think Daisy Ridley is better in this film than she was in the first, actually. Right. But, yeah, I, I'm... You know, I'm not too sure how I'm, I'm basing that, but I kind of felt she was better in this than in the first. Now, at this point, because we're going to talk about, I suppose, Ray and Kylo slightly separately, and uh, to go with the theme of this, I think we should take an unnecessary diversion to a casino planet oh, uh, right. in the middle of our chat, because, <laughs> okay. you know, that's kind of how the film does it. Yes. Um, we, we get to see uh, Finn, who has now awoken from his coma, and has been tasked by Poe on the errand of find a hacker that can get you so close to Snoke that you can disable whatever is tracking the fleet. And he takes Rose with him, who he has found next to his escape pod, as he's trying to abandon ship. Yep. Now, I didn't know... Part of me is like, has Finn learnt nothing? So the first film we got... Finn goes from wanting to run away when he gets to the tavern, he finds a ship, he's going to enlist on the ship, help out as a cabin boy, and get away from the whole war. Get as far away, get to the outer rim where no one's going to find him. And then he changes his mind when Ray gets captured and he wants to help and take down the First Order and do his thing. However, with this, with this... You open, he wakes up, he finds out they're in dire straits, and the first thing he does is pack his bag and head for the escape pod. Yes. <laughs> Which kind of made me think, oh, did all the character development that happened in the last one just not happen? And yep. it kind of disappointed me, because I was like, well, I thought he would now be going, oh yeah, they've been developing this tech, or I heard rumours about that. It's not really anything like that. It's he runs straight for the escape pod, yes. packs his bag, and goes, right, thanks for patching me up there. I'm off. Um, and they, and they, they actually compound that error then by he then immediately changes his mind and gets on board with the plan to blow up the Dreadnought. Uh, and well, not the Dreadnought, that was blown up earlier. What, what, the Snoke ship. Snoke Imme- ship. I, I, don't, I don't know. It's probably got a Super name. Super Dreadnought, Super Star Destroyer. I have no idea what it was, but... He, so he's not even consistent. He, you don't even know at any point whether what he said was true about wanting to get Leia's a ring, the tracking device, away from the three ships was true or not. Did he, did he really believe that? Was he trying to save Ray or was it just an excuse? I mean, don't I, go think, into I think it. it was. I think it was more inevitable that he would have gotten that escape pod and then would have been captured by the First Order with the tracking bracelet on. Well, I mean, absolutely. I can kind of, I can kind of take part of it. You can go right, okay. You believe Finn that he's trying to get that bracelet away so that she doesn't, Ray doesn't come back to a fleet that's about to run out of fuel and get destroyed because she'll want to help. Yeah. Or you can go the other way, which is he's he's just trying to abandon ship. I mean, because the thing is, he the reason that he changed his mind, as I said before is because Ray got captured. It wasn't because yes. he had a change of heart, it was because his friend was in trouble. 
So Which is brilliant. With, this, Plotting, with this, with this, you can go again and say, okay, it's because she's going to be in trouble if she comes mm. back. So he's mm. got her away. You can you can take his actions either way. But I still thought that that would have been a discussion he would have had with others rather than going right. I'm going to sneak off the ship now and get away. But unfortunately, as as both of us have said, he's given no development. He doesn't take a stance and change it. He doesn't get anything that he gets to make a personal decision on. All he's ever asked to do is ride some four-legged creature and fly some ships and disguise himself. They're all physical actions that he has to take. He never faces any real emotional choice, except at one point at the end where he decides to fly into the cannon. I've got words about that that we absolutely have to talk about. And then when he fights Fasner and he gets to declare, I am a rebel. And you're thinking, I'm totally on board for that. That should have been his big moment at the end where he declares that. He finally chooses at the end of this film, no, I've picked a side. I'm definitely one of the rebels. I'm no longer working on selfish reasons. I am actually doing this for the cause rather than just because I want my friend to survive, which is a great starting point for him. Entirely selfish, very human. And then he could move throughout the film to at the end being idealistic and he's joined up. And that should have been the one of the most defining plot arcs of this film. It was so important coming off the previous film, that problem that you've described about for him, should he stay with them or should he not? And it's just ditched. So we have to add it to the big dustbin that they've created for this. Leia, dustbin. Akbar, dustbin. Phasma, dustbin. Finn and all of his character development, dustbin. Why did they even bother keeping him in the film? As you say, they should have put him in the... They should have they kept should, him in stasis. They should have kept him in a coma. Kept him because in a coma. Uh, he I, did exactly I, the same amount of stuff to the plot as he would have done if he'd have been asleep. Uh, it's, it's just so infuriating that somebody could say, I don't like this character, I'm just going to get rid of them because I don't feel like I need them anymore. But it's worse almost in a way that they give him disappointing development than killing him off on the medical frigate when it gets yes. destroyed. Yes. You know, that's, that's the, that's the sad bit about it is if it, he doesn't get much development, then he, he could have just been on that medical transport. I, the thing that saves Finn as a character for me is John Boyega, who I think plays him really well, has a yes. lot of fun with the character, and that's what saves Finn for me, despite the fact that he doesn't get development, and that this whole plot loop on the casino planet is kind of unnecessary. Oh, absolutely. Is, and, and sort of gets in the way in between the scenes that you would want to see. You're like, I want more of Ray and Luke. I want to see more of this training montage that's going on over there. No, no, no. Time to go to Casino Planet and, yep. and have a look at this. I want to have a look at what's going on between Poe and Leia right now or what's happening on the ship. What's the what's the ground feeling? What's the on-the-ground feeling of the other people on board the, the Rebel cruiser? Because we know Poe's point of view, but at no point do we really see, hear the view of the other pilots or the other crew there's obviously other people that rebel with them, but you never see that because yeah. we're over on Casino World yes. having a look at the life of the rich and famous in the galaxy, which, as much as it's a nice diversion to go, oh, so this is how the other half live in Star Wars. You know, oh, we've seen yeah. the moisture farms, we've seen the backwater planets, we've seen the gas mines and the, and the Death Stars, but we've never seen Casino Planet before, really. Not in the, in this 
universe. We've seen our coruscants and and uh, all that before, but we've never really seen a planet like this in this particular frame of time. But you know what that's for? It's because they want to get their realism in again. It, I, you know, we, we're not doing space opera. No, this has to be real. Yes, the people sell arms to the good guys and the bad. Oh, don't you feel silly now? You thought they were good guys, but actually they were just as bad as the bad guys. So like, what are you doing? You know, this Star Wars is, is almost a fairy tale, and you want to bring in arms dealing to the good guys as if this was some sort of spy novel. You know, it, it, it's supposed to have a James Bond-style reveal in. I I. I, I I don't understand what that throwaway comment of this character is. It I, I can't remember the name of the character. It's Benicio Del Toro that plays it. Oh, I'm looking online, it says his name was DJ, which is also just as unimportant or impressive. But it, it, this this character comes along and tries to bring in some more real. It was entirely unwelcome. I did not want to see any more of that. I think it's one of those things of movies having to send messages, or they feel the need to send messages. <laughs> And that kind of message of arms dealers sell to the good guys as well as the bad guys is something that applies in our real world. Now, whether that's something that you want to have in Star Wars or not, and you, yeah. you want you know, the, brutal, the brutal truths outside the space opera to come back and, and haunt you, it's, it's in, in the real world, weapons are being sold to both sides. The thing is... And that's, that's bit, but I, I, I've already said I think it's a bit of an unnecessary diversion, well, and it's... It's a bit you know, even if we allowed that him to change his direction, say we do want, say we, say I acknowledge, gracious as I am, that I'm going to say you can have your new direction as if I'd got any control over it. Even if he did change the direction of Star Wars to be something else, you could never make Star Wars gritty, and that sort of realism comes in your gritty dramas, your realistic dramas, your thrillers. You could never bend something from fairy tale and space opera all the way around to gritty. The best you could manage is some middle ground. And throwing in just quite randomly that the good guys aren't as good as you think they are, unless you're making that the plot of your whole film, like there's a betrayal element, there's no place for it. It's a throwaway thing, again, of the director or the writers putting in their arrogant little comments about how they know better. I'm I'm, I'm judging them completely and I have no right to do that and you might need to strike that from the record. But damn it, <laughs> let the hate flow. I just, I, I can't feel any less strong about how pointless some of those things w- were to me, even if I acknowledge this new direction. I, I get where you're coming from, but I I do think sometimes these films do need to try and send out bits. I mean, you get it in, I don't know, Iron Man or whatever, where the arms dealer su- suddenly works out the fact that his weapons are being used by both sides. And you've got to have a bit of this here. Mm. But but at the same time, you think, did it need to be those characters? Did it need to be so long a piece? Did we really need this diversion from the storylines that we wanted to see? And could it have been done in a smarter way? I think so. Well, bring I mean, in Rose then. So yeah. should, should just bring in Rose to this bring in Rose, as a character. Yes. Because not, not only have they sidelined Finn as I think they've sidelined Leia, they've done it in the same way by bringing in another character and bringing them into the centre. And I honestly don't understand why we needed to see Rose, because she takes the spotlight from Finn. Now, I would agree with you when you said that John Boyega is, is, is great with what he gets, and I think I'd say that true with, a, with all the actors. Definitely. They do the best they can with what they've got, but the writing 
was not good. And the writing bringing in Rose, I think, is a prime example of that. She's She doesn't really serve any great purpose. She's just this force for good as an oppressed person against the evil empire. Well, so were all of them. Any of them could have had that backstory. Finn himself has been has been horribly emotionally abused as as a clone stormtrooper. You know what? Not a clone. Sorry, as a stormtrooper. You know he's been he's been mind wiped and and so on. Why did we need an extra character to get that point over? She's just as pointless as 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 the plot that she brings them on. At best, she can be horses are good because they have not been ruined by society. People who whip horses are bad. It's just like, okay, I kind of knew that already. Did you expect me to be stunned by the the realisation that whipping horses was bad? I mean, I didn't need to see that. We're not children. Even the children watching Star Wars did not need to be given that message. It was too blatant. I think I think the character that needed that message at that time was Finn because his response to being on Casino Planet is, oh my God, this place is awesome. Have you had a look about what they're doing here? Look at all these gambling tables. Look at all this money getting poured about. And it's him that needed that lesson, but, but only because he was there. Exactly. And, I mean, the main, the, main lesson, the main lesson that the pair of them should take from Casino Planet is park where you should properly and you won't get in <laughs> jail. Yes. Um, more pointlessness. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that, that was an even more sort of, oh, we parked on the beach and we got told no, so we just left it on the beach and ran in. I kind of get the sense of urgency in the whole thing, but surely they could have just went, eh, can we have a parking space, please? Yeah. Uh, you know. I'm, I'm sure there's some form of valley parking on Casino Planet. You know. If not, you've got a droid that can hack the system. You know, <laughs> very true. A what, very, there a was very no problem droid. there at all. Yeah, so that there was, there was a whole part of that where I'm going, okay, that, that's, I, I kind of get that you need to show that the, the galaxy is still a bad and awful place under the First Order, and that there's these... But I imagine that that Casino Planet has been doing stuff like that for a very, very long time. And it isn't run, by the looks of it, by the First Order. It's just this place that's a, a casino world. It's a place for the rich and the uh, to to get their way. And... I, I just it, it didn't it didn't add much to me and I the the sort of am I going to call it a romance is that a romance at please this point? don't I because suppose, that really bothered me I suppose I suppose the, I suppose the words I love you or do you save word, the ones save the ones I love or whatever later on um, so yeah I suppose the the friendship that develops beyond that uh-huh. is you know you're going okay but like you say there's other characters there existing characters were already there. Finn was already that. Is he really served by this? Is this what is this what we we need in this particular thing? And I almost have the picture of in the next film it will be dropped completely. Maybe yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I, it has the feeling to me of one of these character developments. It's the next director is going to come and go. Oh, what the hell do I do with this? It's like okay, the, the, she's she's went away on another ship. Okay, done. Let's move along. It's it's that's it written. It's done. It's she's away. I I don't I don't see where this is going because I, I I just didn't pick it up. But fair enough. I'm 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 doing it too bad at this service. As much as Finn the character isn't served well, I I agree with you that so many of the characters are kind of underserved in this. However, the actors do a great job mm. and appear to be having fun doing it. Yeah. And then I get caught up in the whole thing and I enjoy bits of it. 
I I I I like the sort of chase. I, I we've I don't think we've seen a horseback style chase <laughs> in in Star Wars before. So ticking the box of doing stuff that we've not done in a Star Wars film before. The obvious would have been getting on some sort of land speeder and a land speeder chase or some yeah. form of bike hover bike thing. But no, we get we get a an equivalent of a horse chase, and I, I thought that okay, that's different. That's a little. A little bit that I enjoyed out of the whole thing. Can now, I get one more hate? Oh, yeah, Can I just get one it. more rage point? I've got one more rage point that I want. I, I need to it. bring up. Rage for it. That's right. That's my new motto. Rage for yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that I I would raise is not just that I don't like that. I also thought was bad about this particular plot point was where they force the we're having to save each other and stick together message that starts with Poe and Leia into the Finn and and Rose plotline. Finn actually could have learned his ideological lesson at the point where he's going to self-sacrifice himself by going into the battering ram cannon. You could say at that point he's dropped selfishness and he is one with the rebels and he makes a plan that is entirely selfless. And you think, oh, that's his great learning point. And he has to die to do it. Could be a big tragic moment. But they have to take that away from him to bring us back this, we must be part of the whole. We have to save each other because that's the best thing. Nonsense by having Rose save him. And you're thinking, not only did I find this an unwelcome plot line in the first place, because I don't think it's been done very well, but equally, his plan was going to work. When you actually watch that scene play out, that gun doesn't fire for ages. He had got <laughs> plenty of time to ram that little one ski sled right up the jacksy of that gun. It would have exploded in Star Wars style and they would have been safe. Rose is actually responsible for not only all the other random planning that goes on with that casino trip, but also for letting the First Order get into the, 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 the safe area. She's the one that lets them blow that door. It, it's even worse from as well. He's learned this meaningless lesson about, oh, we must save each other. When he wasn't going to lose an army of people, they'd only got 13 bikes and half of them had been blown up. The only thing they were going to lose in that moment was one soldier and one sled and it was a meaningful self-sacrifice. And he says, nope, we have to turn back. We have to turn back now. One person is in danger. So I can't let, I must learn Leia's lesson and I must turn around and do what I was told. It's like, no, 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 no you totally missed the point of Leia's lesson, which I also thought was pointless, mm-hmm. but you've not even managed to follow it because you <laughs> won't let one person save everybody else. It was, it's such a confused plot point because it takes two almost diametrically opposed plot points and rams them together in a circumstance where nobody but the bad guys actually comes out on top. And even worse, Finn's major development, his character development, is taken away from him. The one time he might have actually got some character development, it was stolen from him by this annoying woman who is trying to start an unwelcome romance it's like how how much more useless could you be and i have to drag you back because you're unconscious 
you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I did, I did think at that point it was like not only could Finn have been killed, but so could she have, and yeah. the cannon still fires. Yep. You know, at that at that point, you could have had two two deaths plus the cannon still working. I mean, I suppose what they've done there is done exactly what they did throughout this whole film, and it's another example of breaking the the usual mold that the solo hero would go in and make a noble sacrifice and save the day for everyone else and the and the rebellion goes on and and survives i mean the whole laurel and hardy and you know hux and uh, <laughs> and kylo their plan of let's go down get the walkers and destroy the base i mean i do have the feeling that having several star destroyers in orbit, yes. they might have been able to have uh, achieved their goal in a slightly easier way, yes, uh, and maybe ridiculous. surveyed the wreckage later from their ship. Uh-huh. Um, but <laughs> um, but that wouldn't have been as fun to watch. You get the cool skimmers going across and yes. the, on yes. on the salt with the red uh, stuff coming up in the background, and that adds a visual that we've not seen before and i thought looked pretty awesome you would never have got the the scenes that you get later with luke facing off against all those attacks um, bring bring that back up yeah. in a bit you, you bring I, I, will, I will bring it up so in a bit because i'm kind of i'm kind of pulling a bit forward on but you know you know you wouldn't you wouldn't have got that if they had nuked it from orbit so I will, I will skip forward and go for that but the the rose rose and and finn added nothing for me in this and that kind of disappointed me a little bit because yeah. i once again it's like i love john boyega I, yeah. I i didn't completely hate the performance that we got for um and i, and I can't remember the actress's name that's terrible i'm gonna have to try and we'll look it uh, kelly marie tran is the name yeah. of the the actress of Prezos. i i i like delivery great of that character as well and uh, it was fine but the romance didn't really add anything for me and it's a pointless errand at the end it's kind of like you've kind of wasted my time on this diversion i didn't need it i it kind of it kind of feels like they've just sort of sent them there to have a look about and go okay and yep we've got some nice visuals we've filled some time cool now you can go back to the stuff you wanted to see let's return let's return to where the action's happening um, I think that, see, the, the, the last thing I'd say about the point where she does stop Finn from making this amazing self-sacrifice, all she manages to de- do is not remove self-sacrifice from the plot, but just delay things long enough so Luke can be the one that does do the self-sacrifice. Mm. In the end, making everything she does utterly meaningless. I mean, we've we've already seen two self-sacrifices. I mean, you've still seen uh, Admiral uh, Holdo. Oh, talk about pointless. Do <laughs> do her her self sacrifice, and then you're about to see Finn do his, and then well, Rose could have just wiped them both out. I, I also don't know why they didn't get captured at that point because they had a long way to run back towards yes. the 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 blast door. But let's not even you know, and he was dragging a body at that point, pretty much. He was so so way to go for him. That's some upper body strength being able to do that. But um, but yeah, so that is uh, Finn and Rose. So I'm going to try and move us on towards my next, I'm, I'm going to say pairing, and I've, I've instead sort of turned it into a bit of a triplet instead of a pairing oh. of Kylo, Snoke, 
and Ray again because I feel it's like a separate story. Now I didn't know whether to break this into just Kylo and Snoke or Kylo, Snoke and Hux or <laughs> how to, how to quite break down yeah. this story at the other side. Now I already know your feelings on Kylo yes. and Hux being <laughs> a bit of a a not a, a comedy duel but sort of warring brothers for yeah. want of a better you get the impression that they've you know they're both trying to impress dad at the same time and they're always yeah. trying to one up each other and you know I've managed to get this but I've managed to get this and I'm do you know what I kind of like it I know it's not what you expect from the ruthless First Order. I don't think Star Wars would have been the same if Darth Vader and Grand Moff Tarkin had had the same kind of (laughs) brotherly one-upmanship going on. I mean, one was very much the boss over the other in that situation, despite the fact that the other was more powerful and could snap their neck. Uh, You know, there was one who was in charge, and it's completely reversed this time round, where you've got the leader of the military, the whole military arm, is, you know, completely petrified of Kylo Ren, doesn't doesn't want to do anything. Though one of the, one of the funniest bits, one of the bits that made me chuckle was when he sees an unconscious Kylo Ren lying on the floor, he just slyly reaches for his blaster. And when he notices he's awake, the coat just drifts back over again yeah. as if to go, ah, that was my chance and I missed it. It should have been quicker. <laughs> it was it was, it was, just one of those little sly character moves that made me chuckle. And I I get what you're saying about that being a, a bit that you don't like. or you, you it, If they're going for the realism angle in certain aspects of this, those two would not be in charge of a ruthless military dictatorship because no one would take them seriously. People talk. You know, they would go, did you see what happened on the bridge the other day? This guy called up and uh, and he, he, he pretended that he couldn't hear Hux and Hux was all upset and, uh, da, 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 and and stomping his feet about. And then did you see Kylo Ren in the lift? Oh, yeah, yeah, he messed up his helmet and everyone. He doesn't like it now. Everyone thinks he looks stupid in it. You know, it just, they wouldn't be taken seriously, the pair of them, at well, all, you know- throughout their bit. The thing is, I think they've done a couple of things in both films that would have been worked if they'd have kept it as a theme. That when when Ren is by himself and nobody's watching, and he really goes, he destroys a computer room in the first of the films he's in, and this room he destroys his helmet in a lift. That's just unbound rage. And it was a great joke in the first one where the two stormtroopers just turn away because they do not want to be near this. That's humour, but it's also realistic and doesn't actually detract from the character because the character cannot control their rage and people suffer from that. And I think the bit about the blaster, when he's almost, Hux is almost about to pull the blaster out. Again, it's realistic. It's what he would consider doing. It doesn't detract from him. It doesn't make him stupid. It just is him missing a moment. And you could believe that these people have got to have human failings. In fact, not believe it. They have to have them. There's no reason why somebody who is a Sith Lord should have trouble. Uh, th- th- a Sith Lord should have trouble dealing with emotions. That's kind of the point. And, you know, they would take their anger out on people. Darth Vader did. He killed people, he strangled them and so on. But he always had a threat value with it because he did what was in character and he never undermined himself. Whereas 
slapping each other across the room in a, in a silly comic moment or, or some of the other little bitchy fights that they have, it, it takes away their threat value in the, in the way that none of the bad guys from the original three films suffered. And I, th- I think that's the only problem. You, you can keep the humor. You can have stormtroopers turning away and not wanting to be killed because it works in the scene. It's exactly what they would do. It, I think they cross the line to bring out silly humor in an unrealistic way that doesn't match the themes. And I, I don't understand why they felt the need to push it so far. If they'd have kept it a bit subtler, they could have had all the humour without doing any damage. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you in some ways, but I just think it's... Star Wars has always had humour laced through it. Mm. And I I agree that the humour never really came from the Empire side of the camp. It was always yeah. very serious over that side. That's how we got to take over the galaxy. It wasn't mm. by cracking jokes and and being a bit incompetent. It was by being very serious, organised and plotty. I mean, part of me does think it's the only reason that you're going to get in a future film of the rebels being able to take more of a hold again from the position that they're in because the First Order is going to be in bits because the pair of them are going yeah. to be arguing with each other, and that is how the rebels are going to survive, because they're going to keep mm. sort of sneaking through the cracks that are going to form there. And I suppose is the reason that they'll they'll try and set that kind of thing up now, though they sort mm. of did it from the first film, but not to the extent that they did in this one. And I suppose at this point, it's, it's worthwhile bringing in the third person then, which is their boss, who, a bit like a discarded uh, lightsaber on an island, is um, dispatched in this particular number. We don't find out anything about him whatsoever. Not that we knew that much about, to be fair, not that we knew that much about the Emperor at the point of his demise, apart from the fact he's the boss, he's planned this all out, he's managed to manipulate all these people into these particular positions, and he knows what's going on. With Snoke, do you understand that he is obviously very, very powerful, he's planned and plotted and schemed his way to where he is? But you don't know very much about him before he's uh, offed. <laughs> it, the problem with Snoke is, you've already said it, he's the discarded lightsaber. He's an idea that the director didn't want to use, but had to use. They didn't do anything good with Snoke, but that's the director's choice to have done nothing with him. The character didn't have to be bad. The plot didn't have to be bad. The the, the director stomped his feet and said, I've got to put up with this now. I'm going to kill him off and I'm not going to do anything with him to spite you all. Yeah, I, I just kind of felt like, oh, I, I kind of wanted to know a little bit more about him. But I don't know if they were sitting there thinking, oh, well, if he survives into the into the third of these films, then it's going to seem like we're copying the, you know, we're going to be copying the original trilogy again. So if we clear him in this one, Maybe. then we're, you know, we're getting rid of the norm. Okay, so it's not, this isn't like Empire, the Emperor's gone in this one, he's no longer able to plot and we're moving on to something different in the next film. Yeah. Well, all, all I can say with Snoke is that, I've I've taken about eight nine bullet points where I felt in my notes where I felt that they'd they'd copied Empire Strikes Back. I don't think for for all that we this guy says he's or people think he's done something really new. He still did some copying, and it, it honestly felt when we got to the throne room that no matter how the fight that Ray and Ren had with the with the Emperor's guards, it was still them ramming Empire and Return of the Jedi together such that you had the build-up with Empire with with 
with things like um, Luke is Yoda and so on. And then you have the battle in the throne room at the end where he, where the Emperor is defeated. Is you know that's you know so that's what happens at mm-hmm. the end of Je- uh, Jedi uh, Return of the Jedi. I, I don't know. It, it just it just felt like yeah, somebody were- just given up when they wrote the whole Snoke thing for this. There, there was there was an element of that. I mean, obviously, when he gets a go on, look at look outside the window and look at the at your the last of your rebels being taken out exactly. by my massive space gun. I was yeah. like, okay, well, this is kind of lifted from somewhere I've seen it before. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you know, just watching out the window as the fleet's getting destroyed in uh, Return of the Jedi, and you're like, okay, it's, I can see where this is this is taken from but it's slightly different it's managed slightly differently i i kind of liked the design of snoke i've got to say because up until that point he had been a hologram in episode seven so you were sort of looking at going okay um well is he a big guy is he a short guy is he you know i didn't know if they were going to go you know after seeing hux and uh ren i didn't know are they going to go a comedy angle here is it actually going to turn out that he's really tiny he's a yoda sized (laughs) you know a yoda sized character and it's just that every time you see him on the hologram he's massive and you know a big imposing throne and all this sort of stuff meanwhile in real life he's you know sort of a a little pint-sized uh sith lord um (laughs) but you know i kind of i kind of liked the style of it and i thought it's uh, (laughs) It, it worked all right. It was Andy Circus and motion capture. Yes, yeah. he's at home. And, but I, I just kind of feel like, oh, there was surely there was something more with that character. And do you know what? The answer to it is not. Let's have a how did Snoke get on the throne uh, no. spin off. If that no. is the if that is the answer to the question, I, I I would rather not know. Let's let's leave these things a mystery potentially. But um, yeah, so you've got Snoke, who's obviously very 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 powerful in there and then he pulls um ray and kylo together and i kind of like the fact that he's plotted it out i i got his reasoning for doing it because at first you're like what what is drawing these two together and i thought it's either going to be due to parents or family lines or something being oh well the 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 two families are linked in some weird yeah. way and that's how they've got the force connection in the same way that that Luke and Leia can kind of tell what's going on in each other's lives this is this is why these two no, there's some sort of familiar thing. I like the fact that instead they went do you know what no it was just that he he used his his power to connect it's the two with you. <laughs> He's messing with you because he knew that you're weak and you're going to come here and try and save him and then you're all going to fall nicely into place in the same way that the Emperor used uh, Darth Vader as the lure to get Luke to basically hand himself in, convince, you know, convince Luke that he he can turn his father and he'll, he'll come all the way up willingly, you know, without putting up a fight in the exact same way that you get Rey jumping over to the, the ship. So with with Snoke, though, I, I I would definitely agree with that. I don't think they do anything with Snoke, but he is the reason that one of the best things in the film exists, and uh, the almost one of the saving points, the saving graces of this film is the Ren Ray connection. Both of those characters. I mean, I've already said how much I liked what they did with the character Ray, but I, I also like Ren as well because all throughout he is on target as a character they don't miss a beat with him he is when he fights as a as a warrior 
his his moves are angry they're over the top he's not almost out of control but it's all about power you can see when he's fighting luke that that luke is doing the dodging and he's doing the all the movements and and ren's doing all the attacking and i think that also is then matched in all of his speeches ren is always he's he's always bitter he's always angry he's always trying to provoke and and when you get ren and ray coming up against each other it's the epitome of the light and the dark of the force which is of course what snoke is trying to bring together he's trying to pit light and dark to the point where they then have a battle at the end in which dark is supposed to win ren is supposed to kill ray it's it's the entire jedi philosophy given to us in one partnership and I have, n- I have nothing but praise for, for what the writing team... So I've slagged off the writing team a lot. Okay, so here's what I really <laughs> did like. I liked almost everything they have done with Ray and Ren. The conversations, the setup, the fight scenes. I, I, I could watch those parts of the films. If I could fast-forward some of the other bits, I could watch those bits over and over again. I agree that the pairing of them was brilliant. I think the way they get over the fact that there's this distance and it's it's a bit of clever writing, really, uh, as mm. much as, you know, yeah. I, I know that we've criticised some bits and pieces, but a bit of clever writing of, okay, we know we can't have prolonged scenes of the pair of the, them in the same room. Geography is not going to allow this. Yes. You know, it's, it's either that he's got to have her captive and keeps visiting to have chinwags or... <laughs> we're going to have to come up with something smart. And it's not going to be them texting each other, is it? So this this is what we've come up with. And I kind of follow your thing about Kylo Ren being true to his character through the whole thing. I mean, you were talking about how angry he is, how he fights so sporadically. Well, you get that when he's in the fighter. Um, mm. When he's leading the charge, really, to take down the capital ship at the beginning, uh, yes. to take down the frigate. He is the one that's doing the most damage. He's zipping in and out and taking out all sorts of vital components of that frigate as he flies along. I, I completely get what, you, what you're saying about that character. The, their development of understanding each other, or more yes. Ray understanding Kylo Ren than the other way about, I think, is is one of the strongest bits about this because it develops from just sheer hatred at the very beginning of Ray going, why can I see you? Why am I speaking to you? I've got no interest in what you've got to say. I don't believe a word of what you're saying. Why are you contacting me? Because it's blatantly you that's doing this. I've got no interest in what you're saying. Up to the point where she's going, I am going to come here. I am going to change your mind and save you and get you out of there because I think you're worth saving is a massive switch through the film. Yeah, and I think that they, they had to, they obviously had to use the fact that we know about Ray and her mysteries already, where we had to still be introduced to, to mm. Kylo Ren. So, so they had to have one side of it being possibly imbalanced, as you say, in terms of how we could discover it as an audience. But, but despite that, it, it's so great to see them battling verbally as well as even physically. And sometimes we've seen them in that he tries to, uh, convert her by bringing out her anger. So he's using the weapons of his, of his order. And she's using the weapons of her order as well by trying to save him. It's, 
as I suppose I'm only going to repeat myself by saying she is the light and she is mm. she is personifying that even with every word and every action she takes and he's doing the same even though his mystery is still to be revealed and, and so that does make that imbalanced in terms of the plot points despite the fact that he can't say much about that until it's the right point in the plot nonetheless he's still provoking her he's still trying to get her angry who do you think your parents are who do you think you are who do you think that person is luke that you're trying to talk to you think he's a good guy no he's nasty he's really trying to bring out every dark emotion in her even even during the parts where we're not going to get our full reveal it doesn't stop him it's not false he doesn't need to hold back his story he can still use things to pull at her soul and yeah, both uh, perfect. Both of them absolutely and, perfect. And uh, you know, part of what you 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 hinted at there, that ever evolving story of well, what happened at that Jedi temple? What happened? Which was awful. Know? But carry on. I was, I I kind of like the fact that okay, Luke at the first time tries to paint himself in the better light. The second one, Kylo Ren tries to paint the worst version, or at least his version of what he saw in Luke that night. Right. Not so much that okay. he's purposefully trying to, to make yeah. Luke out as the bad guy. It's more that was his perception of the events that night. And then yeah, that's, the, final, that's good. the final truth from Luke, where you get the, okay, right, here's what happened. I drew my lightsaber, and in that second, I knew I had done the worst possible thing. And I think everyone has had an experience of that not so much to the extent of drawing a sword on someone but (laughs) that point where you do something and almost immediately go that was the wrong thing you either say something to someone out of jest and you think that that wasn't actually very cool to say that to that person or that was very cruel to do that particular prank or whatever you have that immediate reaction of oh i've boo-booed and potentially right. completely wrecked a friendship at that point or that that relationship with that person at that point and that okay, so here's, i could kind of duplicate on that here's the whole film then in one scene for me that that film is everything that is both sorry that scene is both everything that's right and wrong with this film i think it perfectly encapsulated what you've just said i completely agree with the development of that plot to the ultimate reveal is done nicely. It's a good development, and the right stuff comes at the right time at the right speed. Great. But it's in the wrong film. Everything that they did with the idea that somebody could be betrayed by a master, go off the rails and then suffer for it, great idea. It's, it, it's, it's completely believable. It's completely human. But again, it's in the wrong film. I feel that this is where one of the points where where Mark Hamill might have felt betrayed by the the, the writing when he first saw it. And fair play if he made his peace with it. And fair, fair, fair play if he decided he liked it at the end, because I, I, I will acknowledge again, as I have done before, this is a thing that I didn't like. I can't necessarily is bad, but I think it was in the wrong film. Pick, give me another Jedi Master who had not been through what Luke had been through, and I could believe that that master might have had that moment of weakness and quickly tried to change his mind, but it was too late. Definitely a very human point, but not Luke. Luke has been through three films. He's met his own father and dealt with that emotional trouble. He has been up against the very creature, Vader, who was so powerful that he was predicted 
the foretold one who would bring balance to the force, who was so evil that his legend was across the galaxy as being the source of all the bad things that had happened. But he went and faced the emperor and said, I think you, Vader, can still be turned back to the light side. I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to turn myself. No matter what happens, I believe I can save you. Now, if you can turn an evil legend that has that power of prophecy foretold from whoever knows how long back that would, that would save the force, you can turn that person to the light, then one young Jedi in training cannot phase you. I just don't believe it for a second that somebody that we've seen going through A New Hope all the way to Return of the Jedi would give us that crisis of faith that that Luke had. I can believe another Jedi Master would. I can believe that this would occur in the Star Wars universe. It, it was another one of these moments that I despise because it's the plot needs it, darling. We need him to have this crisis of faith. Otherwise, we've got no plot. Therefore, we have to do this. We have to change his character for the benefit of what we want to write. And I will always, always argue that if you need to do that as a writer, then don't write it. You are writing something bad and you're doing it because you want to, not because it's right, not because the people are going to enjoy it. And if you persist with the strength that they've gone with this, it's an arrogance on behalf of the writers and I just don't like it. So I will say it's good plotting, it's good writing but they should have written it in a different film. This wasn't the place for it, and it was definitely not the characters for it. The only Jedi Master I can think that has had similar feelings about their apprentice is maybe Obi-Wan, <laughs> well, <laughs> who, who, who then decided to go and live in, as a hermit on a sand planet after yes. uh, maybe chopping his former apprentice in half, <laughs> um, which is about as close as you get uh, to that. Though, granted, it wasn't sort of a child asleep that he pulled his sword on. He was very well much in uh, fighting at that point, but yes. that's, about as, that's about as close as I could think of <laughs> in my bed. I don't know. But, yeah, I... I agree. It's not the the reaction that you would expect of Luke Skywalker. You would not expect that character that you last saw after the you know the Empire's been taken down a peg to just give up on his his nephew in that way. You know what I mean? On a family member, well, just well, like you say, he went his dad. This is his family. This isn't. Yeah. This isn't. A random kid that he picked off the street, or this this it's a stable boy that he's rescued and trained up to be a Jedi. This is a, a family member that he gave up on, and that I don't believe he would have done. I think that it's 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 almost enforced Shakespearean plotting, and I think I'm I'm going to be someone who could easily be pulled up on my trying to bring in Shakespearean connections to the stuff that we review in here because I think I've made it seem like a pro and then against it whenever I've said it. And so I want to try and explain that connection here when and do it properly. And the reason I think it, it's crowbarring Shakespeare into this sort of thing, it, it, it's almost this perfect master betrays student. You know, family member betrays other family member. It's this perfect situation that seems to give you the, the strength of Greek tragedy. 
And you'd think, well, therefore, it must be a good plot line because it has that power. But it's that crowbarring in that I don't like. It feels like we had this back plot that it didn't fit with. I could easily believe that Luke thinks that he has betrayed Ren because he's failed to teach him. I could easily see a student go off the rails and the master can't pull him back. And that would also lead into that Yoda, the the moment that Yoda bonds with, with Luke at the end. It would have been so perfect because Luke would have been filled with guilt. I, I did everything I could. I really tried to teach Ren, but he chose the dark side and he almost became Vader. And it's my fault. I didn't save him. I'm the one to blame. And that is sufficient guilt to give you what you need to create this, this tragic circumstance. And then at the end, Yoda force ghosts in and says, do you know what? You're not a bad person because this went this way. Students sometimes learn lessons from other people as well as you. Sometimes you can't find the right word in the right moment. I'm sorry, you might think of yourself as a Jedi Master, but you're also human. However, don't give up. You've not lost him yet. You saved Vader. What makes you think you can't save this guy? Just put in a bit more effort. Try this, try that. And it would have been this perfect moment where two Masters come together and even though they've got this title of master, they realize, of course, they're not complete. There is no, your training is never over. You've still mm. got things to learn. And Yoda would have taught Luke another lesson. And it, it just seemed like this really obvious way of developing a problem between Luke and Ren that would have matched the background. They wouldn't have had to throw away the old film. They could have built on it. There could have been a story where, where Ren misunderstands Lots of things that, that Lucas said, but they don't want that. They want it in one scene. They want it to be quick and easy. And they want this Greek tragedy where he stands over him with the sword and looks down upon the person that he has failed. And it's, no, it's melodrama. None, none of the rest of the stuff you've done is melodrama. Why do you need to crowbar this Greek tragedy, this Shakespeare in for this powerful moment when looking at it, it wasn't powerful to me. It was wrong. It was forced. Mm. There was no emotion in it. And it led to a Luke that I didn't believe. And it, it feels like you could have had that. You could have had Luke full of guilt. You could have had Ren blaming him. You could have had this moment with Yoda still. It just needed you to not be so hung up on what I... I've got it in my head that the writers thought would be a great moment between two characters... But again, not these two, not the way they've been built up before. Use what you'd had, and you could have had something that was everything you wanted for your plot, but so much more powerful and meaningful with it. And so I think it was the biggest mistake of the movie. I didn't like the bit between Poe and Leia. Uh, I, I do think that was a mistake, but I think it was just a bit of bad writing. I will stand by that being not as bad. There was this moment with Luke when there was such an easier way that they could have gone. I I think this was the biggest mistake of the whole film and underpins so much that it almost ruined it for me. Fortunately, Ray and Ren were so good, I could forget about it. But they they are the saving grace of this. and, and, And... Dear God, how they managed to build that on the foundation that we were given with that strange little thing with Luke and, and Ren. I, I'm, I'm quite astounded that something so good came out of something 
that I see as such a massive mistake. I just didn't have the the hate for it that you do. I think there's ways it could have been handled neater, but I think getting the the story slowly opening out that way helped a little bit. I get it's sort of big Shakespearean overtones with the sort of sword and the disappointment thing, but it goes a long way of explaining if Luke Skywalker got to that point where he drew a sword on a kid who was yeah. asleep, at that point he would go... I have massively gone the wrong way here and take himself away. And I think they needed to make it serious enough that he would do that, that, you know, to try and explain this absence. It's, it's sort of an impossible task. I think they've been given going, Luke Skywalker has put himself in exile. Now explain why. Yes. Cause the, no, no answer they give will someone turn around and go, well, unless he's broken all his legs and just happens <laughs> to be stuck then that this is no, you know, it could have been the X-Wing crash landed and he had no communications and that's it. That's why he's been there ever since. He's just been undiscovered. But instead of doing that, they went, no, he's he chose exile and went for that. And that's why I think they had to write it, write it that way. But like you say, the Ray and Kylo relationship that builds through this is just brilliant. I love the way it's done. I think the two of them did it really, really well. I know that they still brought in jokey aspects of it. The fact that, uh, you know, the the line of, well, it, re- it really isn't a good time for me either. Um, <laughs> put your shirt on. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, just, just put something on, will you? No, no, thank you. Um, it's like, it's the, I, I just thought that was okay. I know I know that we've sort of hit some of the, the humour in this, but some bits like that just, just made me laugh. And the fact that it then triggered a meme that lasted a good sort of three, <laughs> four months after the film is uh, is is pretty impressive. It is a um, thing. I can't deny it, yeah. I suppose we'll talk about the, the fight and everything when we talk about action sequences. But before I move on, are there any other characters no that you're you're wanting to pick up on that we haven't quite passed over with the main lines there? Actually, I think we've covered all the characters pretty well. Actually, that I'd got uh, got my notes on. Um, I'm actually I'm ready for the I'm ready for the action scenes because I'm, I'm I've got positive things to say about that. I want to embrace the light again. Embrace the light. Okay. Embrace the light. Bring me to the action sequences because then I'm going to feel better because I've got <laughs> I've got some really, really I've got some good things I want to say about them. Okay, well, let's uh, let's move on then. Let's move into the action of this film, which is, in my opinion, the, the strong points of most of the Star Wars films is is big actiony showpieces, and you know you get a lot here straight from the off. You have uh, an action sequence. You have the bombing attempt on the dreadnought. Uh, okay. un- well, the successful attempt, but the sort of uh, the loss of a good portion of the fleet at the beginning. Uh, we've already kind of picked through that a little bit, unless there's anything yeah, that I you're wanting so. to to go on that. I kind of like the tactics that were being used, and at first you're going, well, I'm not sure what's about to jump out of hyperspeed in front of this uh, this Star Destroyer, but he's obviously baiting it for some reason. So I like that. Uh, moving on, I'm, I'm trying to think of the next ones that we're wanting to do. Well, Have you got ones well, that are highlights go for on the big list? one. Like go I say, for go one. for the big ones. We weren't, we weren't, we don't, I, I don't know that I can go through them all in, in order of occurrence, yeah. but my, my favourite one that I really want to talk about, we've already alluded to, is Luke versus the Atats. Oh, the big, big, because, big one. The big, <laughs> big, big one, because that shot. there's, 
Exactly, exactly. That that camera shot where you hit, hit back to the camera and you're seeing the Imperial shuttle fly, hovering above, above the Atats. I, I want that as the backdrop for my computer. I want to do a. I want to do one of these glass pictures of that and put it on my wall. I think it was just so amazing. It was as good as the as the one from Rebels. I don't know if you saw Rebels, where Darth Vader comes out of an explosion of an explosion of a falling Atat, and it's it's. It's just pure, solid style. There was, I, I, I can say other shot, other shots from the film were were good, but that to me was just astounding. I could just sit there open mouthed and and I could have watched that for a while. And they even do it twice. It's so oh, yeah. good. They actually bring you to the scene twice and give you it again in case you hadn't got enough of it. It's like let's. I'm just going to show you that again. You're right with that. I'm totally yeah. on board with that. Yeah. If it's, you've got a third time in here, I would have watched that too. It's, it's where the match day commentary team go. Let's see that one again. Absolutely. Uh, that, was, that was beautiful. Let's let's rewind that one and, and see it in action. No, it's just the the composition of that. The 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 ats facing up. The the bit I quite like with that ats facing up is when Ren tells them to fire and you get the one at at that decides it's going to pose slightly more manly yes. it's going to slightly shuffle its feet a bit and go right now i'm poised and ready to go it's Despite my turn to fact, shine yeah this is my moment i'm going to put on my big boy shoes and I, that just made me snigger a bit because all the other ones are just still in imposition and this one decides to put it in the shoes and now i know it's a person controlling that at it is an autonomous <laughs> fair enough but i'm going to sort of anamorphize it is that the right word yeah, let's go for and that. Anthropomorphize, yeah. Oh, that sounds better from you. Now let's go okay. with that. <laughs> you know, it, it sort of stands and does that. I, I just liked that the fact that it's a fire everything and it is everything that is getting bombarded. At this point, I'm thinking, why did you have a siege cannon? Um, well, quite. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Stay positive, stay positive. Stay positive, stay positive. Uh, everything is being fired in that particular direction. And I'm going. If 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 Luke Skywalker has just been wiped out this way, then then that's like a really quick way for for Luke Skywalker to go. The fact that the dust clears and he is brushing the dust off his robes at the other side is just oh, what a scene! I I, I have to admit that I was like how he felt that the the Poe joke at the start with with their call on hold was good. I, I, I could almost smile at Luke brushing his shoulder as well, because again, you could almost see a cheeky Yoda doing it. And they'd made that comparison to Yoda already. So I, I, I did bond with that a bit too, but I, I might not have done. It might have thrown me off. But then when it goes into Luke and Ren having the fight, and it's again this, it, it's, it's done with the reverence and respect of the background. Ren is sheer hate. When he swings the red blade, all you can see is anger. And when Luke is moving, using his crouching tiger hidden dragon skills, he's pure calm and completely in control. And it is exactly what I wanted to see. I've not really been... I've been very wary about this film saying that it's getting rid of the Jedi Order. I mean, I know they're not because they've got the kids with the Jedi powers. So, so they've said there is the Force still in the future. But thing and, it, they've, and they've still got the books as well. The books and they've got the books. The tree, and obviously yeah. they've got Ray and Ren. So it's not gone. I, I, I do get that. But there was this threat value where they were going to take it away, and it was like, 
hang on a minute, you're going to take away the Jedi from Star Wars. We're going to be left with a generic science fiction universe. I was, I was really worried about it. But then you, you get this fight at the end, and it's everything I want to see. This is why I'm here, to watch Jedi Knights fighting Sith Lords. It, at some point, I want it to be meaningful. And they build it with the right characters fighting in the right way to some point that is purposeful. No matter what I might have thought about the lead up to this and where they ended up being and whether they should have flattened them from orbit or not, <laughs> this, this, this change away from this, we must, everybody must save each other and going back to the old world, the old order that we know where one person self sacrifices for the benefit of the rest. It's like they'd said, I know we've had a bit of fun with doing something else, but let's all face it. This is really why we came here. Here's an amazing action shot with some great characters doing some stupidly good things. Just sit back and enjoy yourself. And I did. And I'm so glad that scene start to finish was in there. No matter what I thought of how it got to it, I'm so glad that was in there. I just think it was it was so neatly done. Uh, the fact that you've got him sort of not force ghosting his way in there, projecting himself in there, was a neat sort of callback to what's been going on through the entire film. So it's sort of established that this can be done. Because up until that point, you're thinking, is is Luke just invincible now? I mean, Leia can fly in space, so has <laughs> yeah, Luke well, yeah. sort of worked out how to <laughs> how to survive all this? Um, so it was it, it kept me guessing for a good little bit, and I just I, I liked it. I, I liked the thing, the thought that he sort of sacrificed himself so Leia, you know, his sister and everyone else can can get away, that oh, yeah. it, it can survive. Not only that. This legend of the guy that faced down however many Atats and the leader of the First Order and just got away at the end. <laughs> he wasn't there, you know. He escaped. <laughs> is 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 how the story will be told, you know. Oh, as far yes. as as far as everyone that watched was concerned, you know, all the legend, witnesses yes. and the Atats, the the man escaped and could still be out there. Absolutely. I I sort of liked that as a seed of the new, you know, the whole sort of summary at the end is that is the seed of the the new rebellion it yeah. starts again today it starts anew today is, is the line that i kind of liked through that it was uh, a good I finish mean, it, to end the film on that as well it, it was a good finish again no matter what i thought of how they got there it, it was it was a good finish um we've already kind of uh covered it the sort of canto by chase action sequence on horseback a Star Wars police chase, uh, which we don't get very often. What was your feeling of that? Are you counting that as an action scene? I don't know. I counted it as an action scene. I'm, I was okay with it. It was something new. I think I was a, I was a bit taken aback from it just because, not because of what it was, but we're on this planet and I don't know why we're getting horses to crash through walls when I don't believe <laughs> an animal would have done that. Um, it, it, it's all come around from Rose's rather strange presence i still don't quite understand and 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 we should have parked not on the beach as you say we shouldn't have needed the horses so it, it, it was nice to have the horses i forget what you gave them the real name there that i didn't give them but oh yeah i can't remember but i didn't i didn't get anything from it because i think the purpose was lost but I, as a as a piece it was it was it was nice enough to to see but 
unfortunately, I think because of that foundation, I, I can't quite even remember it too perfectly yeah. compared to some of the others that, that hit me so much harder. The throne room fight. Yes. I, I was, I was, I was totally into, I liked seeing the two of Ray and, and Ren fighting as a partnership that then eventually breaks because they can't agree. It's like you're so close to coming together as one, but then you realize that each other has a different purpose. And even though those purposes have brought you to the same place, you can never stay there. So again, the action builds into, into the plot and the characters and the purpose. The, the, the at-out scene at the end, again, plot, characters, purpose. Even at the beginning fight with Poe and, and the Dreadnought plot character's purpose, the connection between all, the, all those three then have, and they're the three that hold, that stand out for me. I, I actually can't quite remember quite a lot of the other se- action scenes for that reason. Uh, because, yeah, the two because they don't have that power. Yeah. Phasma's fight, again, with, with Finn, it, it didn't, we discussed that, it didn't, it didn't mean anything. So I've, I, I'm kind of losing my, my memory of it. The, 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 the horse races, I'm, I'm sort of losing my memory of it because it didn't have that impact. It, maybe these other ones were good in terms of pure camera shots. And I've missed that because I'm not looking. I don't look from a director's focus. I, I, I acknowledge that. I, I do tend to see things from a, from a writer's focus, uh, because that's the only thing I've ever tried my hand at. So I, I've looked into it, but. Yeah, direction. I think I missed Craig might be the one to unfortunately given <laughs> all that on the previous podcast. So maybe we can just ref- maybe I'd have to yeah. refer people to, to that unless, and I mean, give me your, give me, give me your words. Give me your, your thoughts on, on the other scenes that I've missed yeah. and you can tell me that they were good visually. I, I believe you. I, um, I just I, can't quite remember. See, the thing is, I agree with you that there's two massive standouts in there. So it makes it so difficult. The others, the others kind of merge. You've got a few space battles in there that I really liked. The Canterbright one I thought was just a bit different and that's why it was worth it. Phasma's mm. fight with Finn and the kind of face off with the Atat, not the Atat, the little walker thing yeah. with BB-8 in it. I mean, BB-8 is kind of making R2-D2 look a bit lame now because you're like, well, R2-D2 was obviously slacking in all this time. Well, yeah. You know, uh, like, let's face it, if it wasn't for BB-8 through the uh, the rest of the sequence, I think Finn and Rose would be dead. But, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, BB-8 is very much the rescue in that one. Finn's fight with Phasma, I think, could have had more to it. Feel like, and, and I still don't even believe that she's dead for some reason. Now, maybe that is yeah, the way that yeah, she maybe. goes out, is disappearing into the fire. But part of me still thinks, well, she was in a pretty resilient suit. Yeah. <laughs> but, she you fell know, into a shuttle, it was fine. She, yeah. she, 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 she fell down and she grabbed a hold of something, and when she comes back, her suit will be blackened and she yeah. will be part robot, but she'll still be, <laughs> you know. And that's what I'm expecting for some reason, because I'm kind of, I, I kind of constantly have this bit in my head going, surely there's more to that character. She's been promised something to be that yeah. character rather than being in a, in the bucket with a helmet, only a partial bit of her eye being seen this time. And you're like, there's something, something has been promised there to go, well, that's a character worth me playing. Cause otherwise yeah. it could be anyone. It really could be anyone. So I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm expecting something there, but the fight, the fight was all right, but. The thing is, there's a much better sword fight going on already. So yes. your your sort of view of that sword fight isn't quite as good as the one that's going on, where where there's people with axes and uh, weird sort of rope type things yeah. that I don't know the 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 name for. But the choreography of that fight was brilliant. 
the fact that the sort of big curtains start burning back to reveal the fact, oh yeah, he's actually in a glass dome. He's just decided that he's going to put up some drapes and cover the view. You know, I've got this spectacular view. I really must put up some red drapes so I don't need to see it. You know, it's it's... Uh, you know, that sort of thing with burning away, the fight taking place, the fact that they're sort of helping each other out by flowing, throwing the lightsabers between each other, fighting back to back, I just thought was neat and kind of summarises what's happened up to this point that the two have come close together and both believe at that point that one is going to help the other out. Yes. So Ray thinks, I've succeeded. I've got Kylo Ren to join me on the light side. He's going to save the fleet now by saying to cease fire and uh, it's all going to be over because the First Order's gone now. He's in charge of the First Order, so he'll just make everything better now and it'll be fine. Kylo Ren, meanwhile, thinks, I've just got myself my lieutenant. I've converted her over from Luke. I've, I've shown her that I, I can I can be a boss and together we're going to rule the galaxy. At the end of that, when you see the two of them sort of facing off trying to get the lightsaber, which they crack in two, you you just think, oh, you know, that, that I I can't believe it. it's it sort of almost symbolises the fact that the two of them are now split up again. The fact that it does each each has part of the that lightsaber, I presume now, uh, or she just has the two broken pieces. I'm not too sure. Well, either but, way, it's, a, it's the symbology of it. Either, yeah, either way, the symbolism the symbolism is there. Lose. They yeah, both they both, they both lost it. the fight at this point, and it will have to pick up again in a different form in the next film it's yeah it's, that was but it. where you know but where is that relationship now where where does that leave the thing and the ramifications for the first order and the fact that you're going to have hux and wren ruling the roost over that side i think i think all the ramifications for that were just just huge whether, whether they go there actually from here yeah. i'm not honestly not sure where the last film goes because because they've made such a big point of doing empire Fire and Return of the Jedi, and then finishing it. It feels like he's, he's drawn a line and said, this, this is an end point. Now we're going to have one more film, and it's going to have to start itself again and end itself a, a, again. So I, 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 don't, I don't really know where... It, I mean, they have done the... They did do the bit of the Empire-like ending where the good guys are fleeing from a loss, and they have to rally again. So they they have mirrored that perfectly, which is which I think is possibly a shame to have copied the end of empire not literally but figured in feeling mm. they've copied it so I, I know they're going to have to rally the force and rally the the the, the rebellion again and, and and carry on but i don't know where the other parts move on because they've not done the bit where luke has just learned about his father but there's no resolution there they've actually had a resolution between Ray, Ray and Ren, and the other characters have had their learning points, and they've, they've picked something up and they've moved on. So they're going to yeah. start a rebellion and finish a rebellion all in one film. It, it's, I, I don't know how that plays, actually. I kind of agree with you. They've done a lot of sort of resolution in here, where they've had Finn facing off against Phasma, which I suppose is supposed to be his closure of "I'm a, yeah. I'm a rebel now, and I'm I'm free of you, and this is this is me getting away." They've had. Snoke has been dealt with. The Emperor is now gone. You'd imagine at this point you'd be going, well, the First Order is now going to be in pieces and it's going to be easy for revolution to break out. But the thing is, they did a distress call and nobody answered. Yes. So at this point, is is there any rebellion? Is, is there any fight left out there? I would struggle if I was the one that was having to write the next film because I'd be like, well, where do I go with this? What What have I got left in the toolbox? 
that Plus, I, I can pull out here, apart from the dismantling of the First Order. But that's not going to happen within a film. And the well, plus, only other thing they could do, which I would either be disappointed with or happy with, depending on how they do it, is a massive time jump. Oh, God, yeah. Well, plus the other thing is, because they've now specifically made such a big deal about turning a corner, the final film is left in limbo. Do they turn another corner and try and make it its own unique thing? Or do they try and bring back some of the old Star Wars, in which case episode eight will be strange and out of place. They sort of can't do that either. To to turn at this point, on the eighth film, to suddenly turn and do a different feel and theme when seven films have gone before you in a particular style, and there's only one left for you to realise that turn of corner, it it feels like it needs support. And, and I'm not sure things like Solo are, are going to support that. Rogue One had a dark element to it, but was still pretty much Star Wars, again, with the self-sacrifice, doing it, you know, three people, four or five people trying to save everybody else and they sacrifice themselves for that. So Rogue One didn't turn that corner with this, with Last Jedi. And Solo, from what I've seen of the previews, trailers, I'm still not convinced it's going to because it's going to be a nostalgia piece about Solo himself and they have to get in all the things we've heard about from from the, the original three. So they're going to have to heavily hark back and... The only bold move that I've seen anybody make with that one is: Have you seen the, the Have you seen the one on YouTube where somebody has remixed the solo film trailer with with a Beastie Boys track in the background instead of the traditional? No, uh, no I haven't at all. Right, to- totally go on YouTube. Right, okay. And I advise everybody to do that. Go on YouTube and listen to that. I might have to put this in the show notes. Okay, you're going to have to put this in the show notes, notes as well. Absolutely, because <laughs> to me, what the guy did with with Last Jedi trying to turn a corner is. He turned really badly and skidded into a wall in that he hasn't really made it really different from the old, old Star Wars. He's just changed the humor around and, and played with the background and plotting. He's not really changed the whole theme and feel. Whereas the person who's created this mashup of, of Solo with the Beastie Boys has said, right, do you know what we're going to do? We're going to say Solo is, is a real bad guy. And we're going to take a track that really gives you the feel of somebody rebelling against society. And if they'd really done that, if, and I don't think they're going to do this at all, obviously, because it's a fan mashup, but if they'd really done something like that with Solo, that would have been a proper turn of a corner into something new, a real modern Star Wars film. And the, the guy that did Last Jedi then, he's not done that. He's not committed that far. He's just put a kink in and said, I've done something new. Sorry don't believe you. You tried, you failed from my perspective, obviously only, but that you didn't really go as far as this, as this Beastie Boys mashup seems like you could have taken it. And for me, that's the future that if they really want to embrace it, if they really want to embrace a new future, then they need to see what these, these guys have done in their own, you know, basements and, and learn a lesson from that, that that could be a totally new Star Wars future. Um, don't see it happening now. I, I do. I do worry about Solo just because it's it's the one that I think everyone's been going. What are they going to do with this? Rogue One. I was really surprised by, and I really enjoyed it. Um, from going from the point I, I was looking at, going, how are they going to make stealing the Death Star plans interesting? <laughs> None of the characters that we're used to. How are they going to do it? They tied it in so well. I loved it. 
Solo kind of makes me think, well, how do you do this without destroying the character that we love and breaking it apart? And if it becomes the shopping list or ticking the list going, right, we need the Falcon, Chewbacca, we need yeah. this, 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 this. Okay, done. That, that's, that's everything we've got to work around. And as you've said already in this podcast, a lot of the time when that is what you start off with as a writer, it doesn't make the best thing. Because they go, right, by the end of the film, this is the entire toolbox of what we need. And we've got to somehow get there. All right, okay, well, this has got to happen, that's got to happen, this person's got to be there, and we can't kill off or do anything to this character there or this one, otherwise it won't work. And that's that's the bit I worry about with Solo. Yeah. With, the other, with the other standalones... Uh, I don't know. It, it seems like at the moment it's just origin stories, and that's the hints that you yeah. get. I mean, I don't think there's been many announced of what the content's actually going to be, but what everyone always talks about is origin stories of different characters. You know, let's have a Lando movie, let's have a this and that, and you go, oh, is that really what nah. we want? We want everyone's backstory now? We want a, a, a good sort of two hours worth of of trailing around everyone's home planet and finding out what they were like as a kid. I don't really yeah. want that. I want yeah. to see these other corners that we've not really explored from a different angle. And Absolutely. that's why, as much as there's elements of this that I haven't liked, and overall, I enjoyed this film. I know it probably hasn't sounded like it overall from <laughs> what I've said here. Overall, I enjoyed this film. I love the fact they're still making Star Wars films. Ryan Johnson has been given his own trilogy to go off and, and play with, which is going to be completely separate from the Skywalker saga. Now, there's, we don't know what that's going to be based on yet. Is it going to be on other planets? Is it going to be far away from the action? Is it going to include, you know, is it going to be set in the, you know, what you'd call the present day in that particular universe? Or is it going to be in the past, future, whatever? We don't know yet. So... I'm I want him to properly break then. I don't want him to do this half house that I think he's done with Last Jedi. I don't, I think if he was going to commit to what we've heard is true, he's trying to do something new. If he's, if he really believes that, if he really thinks he wants to do that, then I need, I, I want him to leave this behind what he's done, properly break with it and, and find an actual new theme, not, not a not a coloured in theme, the one from one we had before that feels slightly different. Really embrace it. Don't know if you will, but that's that's what I want. I think for him to do it successfully, he's got to push a lot to the background. You've got yes. to push the Jedi and the Sith and the and the Empire all to the background. Maybe and and do it another way. It's either that, or you've got to say it's so early that it's all stuff that you've not seen before. But if it's all tied in references to what we know, then it's not. It's not going to be as feminine, but I'm, I'm interested to see what happens. I, I didn't come out of this film feeling the same way as you do, I think, where you've, you've <laughs> obviously been massively disappointed with it. I had elements of disappointment in it. And on secondary viewing, I, I, there were bits that I went, Oh, right. So I, I didn't catch that in the background of that scene before. And I did catch this bit now. The action scenes in it are immense. Some of the humour I, I liked through it. BB-8 I still like, despite the fact that some people are, are hating on the fact that it's oh, getting really? quite, quite a lot of attention. Yeah, it's like yeah, there's, well. there's people going, oh, I don't like the fact they've got you know, the you know, this sort of utility belt. Of, right. if, if you need something, it's on BB-8. Oh, right. um, but, you know, I, I, I kind of quite like it. It's a bit different. It's a, a droid that's going out there and actually getting stuff done. Um, you know, listen up, C-3PO. It's fair enough, and you, you get some fun moments out of it. The elements I didn't like, I, I, I don't know. But 
I'm I'm sort of looking forward to the next one. I just wouldn't like the job myself of writing it. I mean, I, no. I come out the other side and I criticise and I poke holes going, well, they should just nuke a base from orbit. And I'm probably <laughs> the person that the writers are going, yeah, they're all going to say we should nuke it from orbit, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. <laughs> What do they know about dramatic tension? Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I wouldn't, they wouldn't get this awesome shot with the at-ats if we nuked it from orbit. Gotcha. It's like, you know, what, what do you want us to do? So in that case, I've got to kind of give them the credit for, for fighting their way through this one. But I, I do wonder in the future if the capacity for Star Wars films is going to hit what I think is also going to be the kind of line that superhero movies are going to hit down the line that there is eventually eventually going to be this mark where people turn around and go we are not as excited about star wars movies as we were the fact that the fact that we have now got a half year star wars movie cycle rather than a one year wait between star wars movies might make people go "Mm, the hype isn't there as much as it was for the last one and it will die down because it's not the first one for years and years and years and years it's the first one this year Uh, so the the, the hype train stops a bit and people then start to look and analyse and go well uh, maybe it isn't worth running off to the cinema to see this particular one because I don't want to see them pick apart Boba Fett (laughs) I don't don't want to see his origin tale you know get me back to the Skywalker saga maybe or or if, if they do mess up the solo movie, which I hope they don't, then it'll, it'll make people go, mm, I, don't, I don't really like what they're doing here. And I think that the the sort of uh, line will be coming up eventually for the superhero movies as well. Uh, that people won't forgive them for as many sins as they forgive them for at the moment. Where at the moment, the fact that we've got so much love for some of these characters and these bits uh, kind of blind us sometimes to the flaws. I think I think you're definitely seeing through a lot of the flaws, um, <laughs> whereas I am still kind of blinded by my love for characters and that universe, and I just get giddy at the fact that these films are still being made. That it, it you know, it sort of makes me happy. Whereas I think others are going to eventually sort of poke through it and go, eh, "Hang on a second, this maybe isn't as good as it could be." Despite the fact it's back, if it's not back in a good way, then it's not worth it. Right. Uh, it's a shame, but I can see it going that way. Um, am I am I supposed to round up as well? Am I? Is that? Oh what yeah, yeah. Let's, let's 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 go into let's go into a roundup. Go go for it. Okay. So ultimately, then, if I had to pick yes or no to the film, I'd have to go no. I didn't like it. But that said, I did really like certain parts of it. So I'd like to go dark first and then light. All right. So I can come in, start in the dark, and then go into the light. <laughs> And what will I start with? It? So um, things that I thought were actually bad was, was definitely everything to do with Holdo, Poe, and Leia. I, I, I honestly think that was poor writing that was based on false mysteries that didn't need to be there, actions that characters just shouldn't have taken, and then nothing bad would have happened if they'd have just stood still. They create all their own problems. They do the wrong thing, and not in a human way, but in a way that is, darling, we need to do this for the plot, which I despise. Um, coming slightly out of the light is still, I had a big problem with, with Luke throughout the whole thing. I saw a film that I wanted to see hidden behind it where the master fails a student 
in in a less instantaneous way that was useful for a plot point and then in a more developed way that fitted with a background that I know and love from three previous films that could have still ended up with a beautiful moment between Luke and Yoda at the end. And, and I think, the, say, the foundation that they chose, the Greek tragedy that they chose, was just too ridiculous, too disconnected from what I know to really enjoy it. But maybe that's the point where it's just I didn't like it, where rather than it being actively bad, I can't, I can't deny that there is a line that needs to be drawn between those two points. And it could be that those things lie on either side. The humour as well, I know, definitely does lie on that side of the line. I don't like the silly humour. I don't like taking somebody that's supposed to be the new Vader and the new Grand Moff Tarkin, as you say, and and making them ridiculous because they have no threat value. If you make them ridiculous, then I don't need to believe they're dangerous. And if I don't believe they're dangerous, then how can I possibly be afraid of them or feel that any of the other characters are in danger at all. Come into the light then. So that said, Ren and Ray, so Ren is the dark force that is powerful, was still good. Ray is the light force that counted him. Perfect. Brilliant that they, that what they did together. They are the saving grace of this film, those two. Everything the two of them do between them is perfect down to the, the plot that brings them together and the way they deal with each other. Ren is the epitome of the dark side. Ray is learning to be the epitome of the, the light side and they, they fight in word and in action. Everything they did together was built perfectly and they're supported nicely by some really good set pieces. Seeing Luke in front of the attack. And seeing Ren fight Luke at the end is something I'm just so glad they finished on because the bitter pills that I felt like I was swallowing throughout the film are then washed down with something so sweet at the end that connects me back. Like that little bit where R2-D2 shows Leia's image. It's so sweet to see that. I'm really pleased that it was one of the last things I saw because it makes me think that when I came out, I didn't hate the film I did like parts of it. It's just that those bits that I thought were really good were candles in a darkness for me. And that that's why ultimately I didn't like it because there was so much darkness. But the the candles that were there, they shone really bright and I and I won't I won't try and take that away from from what the writers gave us. I I've got I've got to say well done for breaking it into the light and the dark. I like that. Okay. Thank you. Very, very neat. Overall Thank you very much for sharing your views on this podcast, Aaron. Much appreciated. My pleasure. I'm only pleased that I didn't fall completely to the dark side as we did it. Uh, we're now going to send you to a Sif rehabilitation clinic <laughs> um, so that you can sort of chill out, relax, and get your, your light side karma back. Thank you. And thank you very much for listening. Hopefully we have covered some of the bits that weren't covered on the previous podcast. Obviously, if you've made it this far, then you've thought so. If you want to check out the latest reviews and our show notes, check out the website neilbeforeblog.co.uk. Thank you very much to Paralyzed Link on YouTube for the music used. We look forward to joining you on a podcast in a galaxy far, far, far away soon.